Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam. Raised by Earl. Nolan. He got it. And Hakeem. Molded by the magnificent roller coaster ride that is Houston Sports. Chill H Town for the only homegrown afternoon team is talking your teams. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A team. Here we are for the final week of 2022. The A-Team, Wex and Joe here with you, and plenty of good things, as should be the case following the Christmas holiday. It's a for victory us to Monday. Get that. Say that again, man. It's a victory Monday for the second time in 2022. I think that's correct. Did you double check back no, to the I, end of the 2020, the David Cully era? Did no, you check see, to make sure if the dates matched up for see, you? As I was saying that, I realized there's a chance that they might have won their last game of the regular season I mean, last year. Yeah, remember, they won four times yeah. last year. Double four the amount. times. Yeah, they're four-time winners. Now they're two-time winners. But it's a victory Monday. Today. They played two games under David Cully in 2022. They lose both of them? They lost both of them. All right, it is the second victory Monday of 2022. And you heard about it right here on the A-Team Friday afternoon. You were very correct. Very much believing in these guys. How can you not believe in the best team in the AFC South? They're basically division champions if they win this week. Mm-hmm. They're definitely division champions if they win next week and the week after. They will have lost one game. One measly game in the division. If that takes place, they've beaten the Titans now. They've already beaten the Jaguars and they haven't lost to the Colts. They're two one and one inside the AFC South with two games remaining. Now they are winless against the rest of the NFL. So their overall record isn't very pretty. But if you want banner hanging, well, then you better visit NRG Stadium for the home opener under new head coach, insert name here, in 2023? Because Lovey Smith's team is two wins away from winning the AFC South division here in his first season as head coach. He told you as much before the game because he told the team as much before the game. They don't have much to focus on, so yeah, we'll poke a little fun at it, but this is an NFL team. Uh, this is kind of goes back to the same conversation we've had throughout a, a lost season where you start with a tie and you're finally able to break a nine-game losing streak this past Saturday uh, in Nashville. Uh, you're playing for the future, and losing helps the future, and the top draft picks help your future. But that doesn't really matter to the guys that practice all week and study film all week and get beat up all week and then beat up even more on game day. They're, they're trying to win. The, the players are always trying to win. Management on the field and in the booth, sans the GM who is in the booth, I believe are also putting their best foot forward, even though it doesn't look like it at all times, to win football games. That's why the Texans had a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. Well executed, uh, well called, and timely. They should have had a game-clinching interception late in the game, but this let's have some fun. Let's make this one really exciting on Christmas Eve and allow the Titans not only to get the ball back, 
but to have a chance on a pass into the end zone, which, if caught by the Titans, would have handed the Texans a 10th consecutive defeat on a day where Malik Willis proved to be the same Malik Willis that's been out on the field a handful of times this year. Now three starts. Not a good thrower of the football. Not Uh, at all. Not at all, to say the least, I guess. And uh, they were able to still put themselves in position. Uh, One big Derrick Henry run was kind of canceled out by one big Derrick Henry fumble. Uh, Mills, for the most part, was your quarterback yesterday. Or Saturday, but there still were instances where I'd imagine everybody else in the stadium was wondering why is this Driscoll time again? Yes. Why does this set, this down and distance, this point in the game, under these circumstances, why does it necessitate a Jeff Driscoll moment when it's just you haven't gotten very much out of this now for multiple snaps over multiple weeks? Nonetheless, as Joe said. Victory Monday for the Texans. There are five teams left, only five teams left, with a chance at the number one pick in the draft. One has a first-year head coach in Houston. One has a first-year head coach in Chicago. One has a very, very experienced head coach who's working with his third quarterback this season in Arizona. And two will now be operating with interim head coaches. It was already the case with the Saturdays in Indianapolis when Jeff Saturday took over for Frank Reich earlier this year, and they have been in a... They weren't having a good season already, but they're in an absolute tailspin ever since. It's now time for Mr. Rossberg to take over in Denver. Nathaniel Hackett, I mean, seriously, is this a matter of... Is there some legalese that I'm not aware of? where an employee who's told to get lost can sue the company if they don't use the softest terms ever on his way out the door? Like, if the two sides meet after the third year you've been there and you haven't made enough progress and it's kind of been frustrating and you're stressed out and your home life's not great and the team's not sure they want to move forward and it's, you know, you legitimately sat there for a couple of hours, had a nice meal at Denny's and decided maybe it's best if we both... You know, end this, and you you have a chance to go back to be a DC, and then maybe be a head coach. Maybe really, actually, spend more time with your fan, whatever. And the team just doesn't feel like the fit is right, and we've now seen it for fifty-one games. You're not parting ways with Nathaniel Hackett out of mutual respect for one another when you have two games remaining in year one of his massive contract after you traded for a terrible quarterback and gave him his massive contract. You decided. We can't get out of under, out from under Russell Wilson's deal, so let's just get rid of you. You're fired. He got fired. Yeah, he Why got can't fired. we say that? I'm not excited about him getting fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, you know, let's be real. But I am saying, come on. It's the same thing when happened. You part with, ways. You fired him. It happened with Cully last year. It's like, what do you mean you parted but ways with David But they were worse. Cully? They were worse because they said it was philosophical differences. What, you wanted to win and he wanted to lose or vice versa? I honestly think that they, like, try to pin it on... David Culley didn't want to fire Tim Kelly and promote Pep Hamilton. Like that was the philosophical differences that were leaked out Dave, afterwards. Didn't David Culley didn't want to fire Tim Kelly? Yes. Who Nick Casario fired as soon as he could. I know. I know. Or he could have fired him whenever he wanted, but he fired him right as the season came to its close. He's not the OC here, obviously this year. But Hackett was told today by the uh, D- Denver Broncos uh, under first year owners and first year GM. And some people are coming down on him. 
it's only fair to come down on George Payton because he's the one who orchestrated the trade. He's the one who was bamboozled by uh, Seattle and Russell Wilson. Uh, not only that, but then they also obviously agreed to give him a tremendous amount of money, which makes it very difficult uh, for another team to take him on, for them to figure out how to move on without him. He did a plenty of other good things, though. Like yeah, enough I'm not to, gonna... Like, it's a big deal, and it, do, it does ruin your team. Yes. But if you think they're untalented... That's just not accurate. They, they, there's plenty of players. They have a good. They actually have a good coaching staff, I think. And I think his current DC is a very possible head coaching candidate moving forward. He's been on nothing but good defenses for almost his whole career. Now he's a young DC, and that he's only been one for this season mm-hmm. uh, in total. But they don't have an under talented roster. They have an, a bad fit with their head coach and quarterback. And they have a terrible quarterback. I, again, I don't, I don't take joy in analyzing a player and telling you how bad he is. I only want to make sure you guys understand. Russell Wilson, maybe other than Derek Carr, but he's probably been worse. No other starting quarterback who's not been benched is even remotely close to how bad he has been this year. In 2022, it's unwinnable. If you start a game with Russell Wilson and never put him on the bench, you can't win because you can't score. Texans offense, terrible, right? Yeah, awful. They're a point and a half game better than Russell Wilson's offense. 10% more points are scored by the Texans every time they play than the Broncos. It's hard to be that far behind the next worst scoring team. And that's where the Broncos are. Yeah, I mean... They got embarrassed. Oh, they're so embarrassed. bad. Embarrassed. Both yeah. sides of the ball this week... Yeah, but the that's Rams. the first time the Rams, the, the Broncos defense has been good all season. You have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton on the outside. Latavius Murray has had good success. Javante Williams before that, like their offensive line is decent. And you can always tell with a quarterback when it goes wrong because we saw it in the game yesterday. When a quarterback gets sacked and the offensive line turns around and stares at him and it's the referee that has to pick his ass off the ground. Well, usually it's Tom Brady then. Yeah, Tom Brady, because that's because he's friends with all the referees and he pays them off. But this one's because your offensive line doesn't like you. Yeah, And your backup quarterback is having to do screaming matches with them to tell them to pick Russell Wilson off the ground. That took place on the sideline after those two sacks picked up by the the CBS cameras a little late. Some of you may have seen uh, some fan footage for those sitting close by, and it's pretty clear. I think we might be able to say neither side was in the wrong. Rippon probably had a point. 100%. His timing was probably not ideal. Well, you're also Brett Rippon. You're also Brett Rippon. But uh, I think the offensive line understands what's happening when, I mean, there's so much video now after all these weeks of games where receivers are like, dude, throw the ball. I'm right here. I couldn't be more open. This is the play call. What are you doing? He can't outrun people. He can't throw on the run anymore very successfully. Three games yesterday, full slate of games on Saturday, one game remaining tonight uh, to close out this week. And like I said, just five teams, and that list could go down to four tonight. That could still win the number one pick. Uh, That's because the Colts are a four-win team. If they get to five, that eliminates them from contention. The Texans would have too big of a, quote-unquote, lead over the Colts with two games remaining. A lot of other things, obviously, going on this weekend. I thought Joe and I told you that the Mets and Carlos Correa had agreed to a deal last week. Mm-hmm. It's several days later. It's, has nothing fine been finalized on that? I'm, I'm here, uh, hearing things 
that uh, there's there's a there's a hiccup, a, a stall in uh, finalizing a physical and and moving on to the we'd like to introduce C four to our lineup as Scott Boris likes to call him. It's bizarre. Has not happened yet. We got Rockets basketball for you three of the next four nights. They've been at home for weeks now. Post Christmas, they go to Chicago, Boston. And they get to see the Lucas again, and nobody wants to see that after his 50-burger over the weekend. But they get started with that tonight. Set you up for those things. you got some tickets still uh, to give away, I believe. I guess not. I thought that's what I saw, but I guess not. Uh, no tickets. We hate you. No, now that Christmas is Matt over, we no, longer hate. we no longer like you. We still love you. We do. But we got lots to get into. We will start in on what the Texans had to say about the win and why. Literally. Football reasons, why they won the game, what it means for the future uh, when we come back here on the AT. Eighteen, December 26th, the day after. Many of you hopefully enjoyed your Christmas holiday, especially those of you that did not intend to fly anywhere. Because if you intended to fly anywhere, I'm sure you could see from your experiences or from watching others, that was a pretty difficult task this weekend. On uh, The NFL and other sports teams obviously experienced a little of that. I I know a lot more of uh, the everyday Jimmys and Joes spending hours or days at airports was probably not too desired, but yet is what happened. That and I saw some photos and videos from Hobby yesterday and just... Hundreds and hundreds of luggage bags that were either diverted or lost and then found. And it just looked like a nightmare trying to find your stuff. But around these parts, it was just cold. Yeah. And honestly, the day before uh, Christmas Eve sucked. It was so cold. That was the 14 degree day. What'd you do? You Uh, stay in the house, right? We had to go outside a little bit going to my parents house but still just like you walk outside it's not nice it's not nice wasn't wet wasn't snowing yeah, but that's wasn't the sleeting if it's gonna be i tweeted this and i know people are like you want houston drivers to be dealing with snow <laughs> no good point you did not you do not because we don't have salt down here and all that fun stuff but if it's gonna be that cold or skills or skills skills is a big one if you want to, if i don't have them if it's gonna be that cold and i'll be locked in the house at least give me some snow so I can go outside and throw snowballs at my two-year-old. Like when currently when he cannot throw back, he can throw back. He's not going to hit you, is he? Mm, he might. He's got some good aim. Yeah. So it was pretty simple. Oh yeah. No problems. Nothing bad. All good. No, we got lucky. It was. I know there are people. Good had, food. Like, good gifts. Good times. Good, good family. Gifts. Yeah. Good gifts. What'd you get? Good. Top of the list. What is it? What is it? New pair of Jays. You got black and red shoes. Yep, black and red Jordans. New pair of Jordans. Um, they, they knew they knew you'd want those, huh? I mean, what else are you ask Santa for? What are you? How many is that in the closet? Um, well, one's going into the into the dumps. I, it's like my hat deal that I have with my wife. Certain amount of shoes of Jordans, certain amount of hats. So the one pair that got pretty beat up over time is going in the dumps. So but you got to have five, six. I think ten. I have four. Twelve. 15 pairs of Jordans. Four pairs of Jordans. All right. Well, good job. Yeah, good good so, haul. And yeah. kiddos all set and ready to yeah, go. Yeah, we got him a bounce house, bunch of fun toys. Is a bounce house, is he 
Is he belted in? Is he enclosed? Is oh. there a zip up outside where he's stuck in there where you're good? Or no. no? Oh no. Okay. There's a little hole on the side that he can they tried to get out of. It didn't it came with a slide. It's a fire truck and it comes with a slide that you could do on the front. We we went no slide. Because we put the slide in it like it la- it like it latches in. But then he tried to get out around the slide and he fell right away. So we took the slide out. He can get in and out. He's fine. You don't think they like the first fall is the okay? I shouldn't do that. Yeah, but it's like it's he's two and he's trying to go over a slide and down it. Like it's not going to work. So we just got rid of it. He's fine. But yeah, he did a good Christmas. This was nice because this was like the first one where, even though he was no interest in opening the gifts, still, but once he saw what he got, you could tell like there was an excitement of wanting to play with the toys. Did learn a valuable lesson though. You got to put the old toys away. Because then he gets very distracting. Because he gets distracted. So, like, that was a valuable uh, parenting lesson I learned this Christmas. Was the old ones got to be put inside in a different room, and they can come back out after Christmas. Good meal. Good meal. Parents went. Didn't want to cook this year. So what's what what uh, would y'all go? What cuisine was is the Christmas cuisine? They went Rudy's. Oh, barbecue! They got brilliant. They went went with the turkey, and they they made barbecue meatballs, like very simple stuff, appetizers, but main meal Rudy's turkey, very simple. Very nice. We did some uh, pulled pork sliders mm, barbecue so on uh, on Christmas Eve for that meal, and uh, yesterday that's Christmas, right? Yesterday is the twenty sixth. Yeah, yeah. You went Mexican. Nice enchiladas, tamales. Good call. A lot of queso. Good call. Lots of queso. All good. Just I will great say stuff. my favorite Christmas gift that I did not get, or my son or wife did not get. My brother, he is a he's fully all in on living in Texas now. You got him a cowboy hat? He got a smoker. Overalls? He got a smoker. Boots? No. Well, that means you get to enjoy it, right? Exactly. That's nice. He got a smoker. He wouldn't get off his phone as soon as he got it looking up recipes. I'm like, look, this is a great gift because if he can figure out how to use it well, then well is the key. He's not going to like fail, is he? He's not going to give up. No, because no, it's fun, if, but I just can't figure it out. I mean, if he does, then I'll just take it. It's pretty easy. Yeah, I'll just take it from him. Well, that's good. Glad to hear that. I hope everybody out there similarly has some good times. I did mention on the on Twitter and to uh, AC and Joe yesterday that I think the uh, the family that I was with was long since bored with football. Yes, yeah. we were watching the Nickelodeon coverage of the uh, Rams game just yeah. for giggles. Yeah, they're promoting kidnapping people. So we we had to do something different after the. Two days worth of watching games. And despite Adam Clanton. And despite Adam Clanton. He's not here today. He's not here today. And you watched the new Top Gun yesterday. Hey, we, and he's not here to talk about it. He, and he will be here, I'm sure, soon enough when 2023 gets here. and We can talk more about it then. But yes, I, I did see Top Gun Maverick. Better or worse than the Texans? Uh, the game was not... Dude, if we watched the Texans game because this is Houston's team and they're fans of Houston, it's, it's tough. It watch. was like many yeah. of the other games; they oh. just were on the right side of it. Yeah, I right. Mean, yeah, this is this NFL season. It's been hard to watch games and feel entertained. But you know what was kind of nice, even though I kind of liked the odd start time that because the game <laughs> got pushed back an hour because of the rolling blackouts in Nashville. Yes, I was hopeful that that hour would be very helpful for me personally. To finish our drive to Austin yeah. and be there for kickoff, which essentially we were, uh, went to eat and they uh, were not showing the game and then uh, went back to the house where locally they were also not showing the Texans Titans game in Austin. Really? Really? What were they showing? 
Nothing? Uh, whatever the CBS game was. Oh, okay. Yeah. It just wasn't Texans. Well, Titans. if you look at the Texans map every week of where the game is being played, it's it's like the smallest viewing area ever. It's Houston, and then wherever that team yep. is being played, unless they're playing the Chiefs. And even the Chiefs last week was minimal watching. Probably the f- smallest audience map for a Chiefs game. But yeah, so there wasn't, you know, not three great, awesome touchdowns, huge hits, you know, great, you know, the Brandon Cooks touchdown play. Yeah, good play. Pretty, pretty nice play. You know, the Christian Harris interception, big deal. This is what we were talking about, to be honest with you. You know, you got to make impactful plays. That's how you win and lose football games. It's the impactful plays. It's the game-changing plays. Texans don't have a lot of them this year. They don't have a lot of players that make them. And Lovey Smith was quick to point out after the game, those that did make them on defensively, rookie Jalen Petrie. Interception to end the game. I think he'd like to have his missed tackle on Derrick Henry's 48-yard run back. He had another bad angle and bad dive. But he did pick off the pass that ended the game and had a good overall game, as he usually does. Interception for Christian Harris. Like I said earlier, that should have ended the game or at least forced the Titans to call all three of their timeouts rather than the Texans gifting them a stoppage on the clock in the final two minutes with a formation penalty, which was preceded by a fumble. But they got it done. And again, the earlier fumble in the game by Derrick Henry was caused... By Jake Hansen, another rookie, an undrafted rookie. Way to go, Nick. Way to find one. Way to get a guy that can get out there on the field and make an impactful play every now and then. I don't know that he's a player, player, but he was out there and made that particular play. Uh, the Titans aren't very good with Ryan Tannehill. They're significantly worse without him. And they're poorly coached. Uh, they did not have a- At least in this game. Well, I'd like to hear your reasons for that because I do think it's accurate. But I'm curious what what other people are seeing as this is an interesting year for the Titans. They've been nothing but playoff bound, basically, with Mike Vrabel. They've been winning games. They've been winning divisions. Uh, They've advanced in the playoffs. They've been uh, the number one seed. This year, they also fired their general manager. And that means they didn't think it was enough, but they must have thought there was enough talent. It certainly doesn't look like it, not just at the quarterback position, uh, for one of the teams that only went 500 against the Texans. We'll see if Jacksonville can get to 500 against the Texans. And the Colts have only one way to play 500 football against the Texans this year. By bookending their season with a second tie against the Texans in Week 18. That would be among the worst ways to end the season ever because over the final drive of the game and regulation and the final 10 minutes all of overtime there's no way one of those two coaches doesn't have a chance to win that game and if things fall badly the Colts could still be playing for the number one pick in overtime of week 18 against the other team looking for the number one pick the Houston Texans both teams need talent and at the quarterback uh, position. Dig back in on that. The rest of the NFL, where things stand on the playoff front, what still lies ahead for this Texans team as it relates to where they are going to draft in 2023. All on the board here on the A-Team. Interesting things going on in the NFL over this past weekend. Some of the good The Cleveland Browns offense continues to be stinky with Deshaun Watson. So they did so cold. They did take an L. Yeah, admittedly, this weekend was full of cold weather uh, for the places that were not indoors. But they can't put the ball in the end zone. They can't Mm -hmm. put points on the board. This is nothing is different 
from when they played the Texans. I think he's playing differently. I don't think he's playing quite as poorly individually. Uh, they had some drops. They had some other stuff. I think he also had some balls that could have been intercepted that weren't caught. You don't call those drops. Nobody seems to remember those. But bottom line is they don't score anymore. They had a pretty potent offense with Jacoby Brissett out there as they went four and seven. They've now gone two and two in the Watson starts. And again, it's not interesting to us because it's the former Texans quarterback. It's interesting to us because the Texans have the Browns first round pick both this year and next. Still. And they have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. So that's very good. It is very good. I think, uh, unfortunately, I don't, I think it might matter defensively if there's a nagging injury for, you know, Clowney's trying to get over a concussion and somebody else might be dealing with something that, okay, let's just go ahead and shut him down here uh, because we want to keep him healthy. The difference is most teams shut players down thinking, what, what difference does it make if we lose? No, it they just can't helps do that. Us. they got to keep playing. They aren't going to be helped until the next round with their own pick. They're really only helping Houston. But, yeah, if they cared of, about drafting 43rd instead of 47th, I guess it would make a difference to them. But the Browns pick sits at 11. They are one of four, six, and nine teams. Uh, They've played what works out to be the toughest schedule, and it's a reward for the crappier you are if you played an even crappier schedule then you get a better pick because it's a more indicative of how bad you are. Uh, so since their schedule is termed and graded out record-wise to have been just a little bit more difficult, uh, they have the back, the last of those four picks. It could change. It would take a lot of different things to happen. Uh, the bottom line is if they don't win games, then it still can end up in the top ten. And their remaining schedule this is these are getting more and more difficult to gauge because we don't know what all these teams want to do in week 17 and week 18 unless we know for a fact they're one of the teams they need to win to get in well the browns are playing one of those teams uh this week they're at washington washington is one of the teams that not only do they need to win to get themselves in the playoffs uh they need to win to keep the packers out of the playoffs. Packers can win out and need uh, 1L for the Commanders the rest of the season, and they would turn a 4-8 and eight start into a playoff season. But the Browns are at the Commanders this week. Uh, they close out their st- season at the Steelers. The Steelers as of now, and I think most likely, but not guaranteed, would still be playing for something in Week 18. The Steelers are 7-8. and eight. Uh, The Chargers can claim one of the remaining playoff spots in the AFC tonight with a victory over the Colts. Uh, the Steelers' first of their final two games is the game that was flexed to Sunday night football. The Steelers and Ravens. Ravens are still trying to win the division. They've gotten into the playoffs, and they don't know if Lamar Jackson is playing. So I've run through about five, six games already. And there's question marks about all of them. But there's a who's going to be where? Yeah. What are they playing for? So how the Browns finish is obviously up in the air. And then the Texans have to take care of their own business. Which means lose. The Texans are four-point underdogs at home on uh, this weekend. And again, this weekend, as we've gotten closer to the end of the season, we're back to Sunday football, except for the Monday night game and the Thursday night game. Thursday night game is Cowboys-Titans. The Texans are four-point dogs to a Jaguars team who threw a re- very, very remote set of circumstances, I believe, with some ties, 
could still be a wild card team. But essentially, this game means nothing to the Titans or the Jaguars. The Texans-Jaguars game essentially means nothing to the two teams fighting for the division title. I would guess there's still a win. I mean, Miami at 8-7, and seven, if the Chargers win tonight, and then you have uh, five teams, including Jacksonville, sitting at 7-8 and eight with two weeks left. So there's definitely got to be a path into the wild card. Right. If you get to 8-8 eight and eight this week and then lose the final week to the Titans, the Titans would win the division. But at 8-9, and nine, I do believe there are some scenarios... Or even eight, eight, and one. Technically, if there was a tie, this there are some scenarios that would still have them. But more likely than not, it's the Titans who are all banged up that might consider resting players. The Jaguars probably want to, I would say, keep a good thing going. Yeah, keep it rolling. So I think the the Texans will see the best of the Jaguars, whatever that rates out to be, and then they finish with the Colts. The Colts are playing tonight, obviously. Then they're playing the Giants, who need to win to get in the playoffs, and then they close with Houston. I don't suspect the Colts will win tonight. I don't suspect the Colts will beat the Giants. If both of those things happen, but the Texans lose this week, yeah. then the Colts are out of it. The Texans will have a two-win disadvantage going into the final game, so they will have eliminated the Colts. Uh, the Bears have the Lions. Next week, Lions need to win to help their playoff chances. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites. It's in Detroit. And then the Bears close with the Vikings. Philadelphia is 13-2. and two. Dallas is 11-4. and four. Minnesota is 12-3. and three. They're, they're going to be playing for the one seed. Philadelphia needs to win this week, coupled with a Vikings loss this week. It's coming. Now, the Eagles this week probably will have another Minshew week, but that's not yet determined. They're home for the Saints. The Vikings are at the Packers. Yeah, the Vikings are going to lose this week, and Aaron Rodgers is going to make the playoffs and then play them in the first round (laughs) and send Kirk Cousins' bum ass home. As it relates to the Texans, if the Vikings lose this week, then they still won't have their spot clinched unless the third play... Who's 11 and 4? The 49ers yeah. also lose. They will have been eliminated from the one spot, but they need to be have a gap in both directions. And if they do, then the Bears are probably getting an extremely under talented group of reserve Vikings yeah, but I in think, week 18. But I think, and when do the Bears say, why are we still playing Justin exactly. Fields? This will be the last week you see Justin Fields, I believe. Two teams in the NFL have less than four wins. Houston has two and a tie, and the Bears have three. Like, I'll, so I'll, the Bears are absolutely in position. If they, there can there won't be a tie unless there are more ties played to in these games. So if the Texans go two and zero, oh, the Bears only have to go one and one. They would pass them. If the Texans go one and one, similarly, the Bears would just need to go zero oh and two to again pass them. If you follow. So there is still a possibility that after spending basically the entire year after their tie at the top of the standings, and I sent I sent out what I thought would be the most telling stat about who these Texans are this year. Even though they've played well for three consecutive weeks, the only other teams in the race for the number one pick, if I recall off the top of my head, they are 13-43 and 
against the rest of the league. The Texans have played three times against these other bottom four teams. Those other teams are 13-43 and 43 against the rest of the league. They're 2-0-1 against Houston. Mm-hmm. The Bears have the second-worst record in the league. They beat the Texans. Broncos? Broncos have the third-worst record in the league. They've beaten the Texans. The Colts have the fifth-worst record in the league. They didn't lose to the Texans when they tied them. They have done what's needed to be the worst team in the league, losing or tying the other worst teams in the league, and they still haven't clinched. First three games of the season. First three games of the season. They tie the Colts. They lose 16-9 to the Broncos. They lose 23-20 to the Bears. Like You look at that and think, how are you not 3-0? That's how bad you are. Yeah. That's how that's I, how poorly they you know, played the in the beginning is, of the year. It's how bad they are. The Texans, I'm sorry, friends. If you really wanted the number one pick, it ain't happening. The Bears are going to lose out, and the Texans are going to beat the Indianapolis Colts in Week 18, and the Texans are going to have the second pick in the draft. And uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna figure that out right here next okay. when we sit. I mean, we have a whole week to figure it out next week when it's really in in play. But are the Texans really going to go into the last week of the season with a half-game lead over the Bears and win in Week 18 on the road? Not even in front of their home fans. Not even to ruin their offseason. It's just one spot in the draft. Could you sell me on that? I don't think so. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the A-Team. Wex and Joe here with you on the day after Christmas, the week prior to New Year's. Hopefully some celebrations that go there. NFL season winding down. The last game of week 16 tonight, week 17 and 18 still to follow. Probably means most of you fantasy footballers out there are either glad you don't have any players going tonight and you've already locked things up, or you're sweating the last game of the weekend, hoping to make your week 17 final. How you I doing? was eliminated in all three leagues oh, no. and uninterested in affecting people who make the playoffs by trying to make my team better for some silly little booby prize of having the best week or winning the consolation prize. Yeah. I didn't pick up any players. I certainly could have. I could have made my team a little bit better. So I was uninvolved. However, I'd long been a co-owner with uh, my brother on uh, one team for years. I've since ceded all powers to him, though my name still appears on the owner's list. And so during Christmas dinner last night, I got a text from him. He said, what do you think? Who should I play? The Bucks defense or the Chargers defense? And I said, wow, which terrible That's- quarterback will be more terrible? Third string Trace McSorley last night against and the Bucks. He-, he was just, yeah. Or third string Nick Foles for the Indianapolis Colts tonight. Now he had Ryan Suckup also, yep. and he was down 20 points. Well, Suckup got what, 12 last night? Four field goals. Yeah. And this point, you get a few extras for the distance. And he had the Buck, he went with the Bucks defense. The interception on the Hail Mary on the last play of regulation. Got him two points. Ooh. Got him within range. Needed a Ryan Suckup field goal to win his game. And he got it. On the last play of the game, Ryan Suckup kicked him 
into the championship game, which, like you told me about one of your teams, he absolutely deserves. Uh, he did not have the best record in the league. By two games, somebody had a better record. And he outscored the rest of the league by about three or 400 points. It was yep. the best team in the league by far. But we, in fantasy football, feel oh the need gosh. to play head-to-head because it's more fun. There's yeah. more, Even though it's definitely not the best way to find out who has the best team because it's total nonsense because it's fantasy football, if we just played total points and you just put out lineups every week, I don't think we'd have anywhere near the amount of fun because each week you're not on pins and needles about this kick or that player. Monday. Well, that's how, that's how I but play you fantasy. really don't find, especially in leagues yeah. that have divisions, yeah, which are nonsense of, on top of nonsense. I play in a few of those. So that's how I have the fourth best team. But, but you're not going to make the playoffs. I went 0-6 in the division. That's tough. I had a seven-game winning streak. The schedule was set up three games against the division, then your whole non-division schedule, then three games and in the division. 0-3, 0-3 on the on front, front and back. back. And I was like, my team stinks. And then I thought, no, it doesn't. My team's awesome. This is a seven-game winning streak. And then I got reminded they stink again. Yeah, that's how I do fantasy baseball. We just do, it's by, you know, you have your categories. And whoever has the most yes. hits that week you gets have, 10 uh, points. You have you have fit. No, 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 no. <laughs> no? I am trying Batted really. Batted ball percentage. I'm like fighting the commissioner this year. I'm like, I had Fromber on my team last season. And I'm like, wins are dumb. Quality starts. Do quality starts and non-quality starts. That's it. Don't do wins and losses. Quality starts and non-quality starts. But you have to use the actual definition of a quality start? Yes. So if he goes out there and gives up three runs in six innings, you get a quality start. Yeah. So if he finishes this the season with a four fifty ERA, mm-hmm. but every single start well, was six yeah, innings with yeah, three but, runs, no, but ERA, you're super excited about that. No, but ERA is a category. I know. Too. Yeah. So, so, it, so it would still okay. I just think wins <laughs> and losses. I, I just dumb. the quality. Like I tried. I really tried to put my wet blanket away all season long. I know you did. Oh, Frommer, another quality start because his starts were usually much better than that. That's why his ERA was in the mid twos. Yeah. Because they were much better than that. But a quality start is such a low... That's a Texans bar. <laughs> no, that's a low bar. But it's not. It's not anymore. It's, it's, it, you got to change that mindset. Because it's not... They're, they don't happen as much as people think. The crappy six and threes. Yeah, like one point... One, league I, one fantasy league I'm in is, is just based on points. So you get, you get 10 points for a win, 5 points for a loss. But now we've added 5 points for a quality start. So you, if you... You lose 5 points for a loss? Yeah. Or you... Okay. You lose 5 points. Okay. And then, uh, but you now you get an extra five points for a quality start. So even if your team, you know, because Frommer lost some of those games, a lot of those, not a lot of those <laughs> not games, a lot, but, but he lost some of those games. And it's dumb that like someone pitches that well. Fantasy football for me had the best team in the league by a million miles, and the cold got me, and injuries got me. Not to the players themselves, to their quarterbacks. Hopkins was terrible. Chase had a bad weekend. Diggs had a bad weekend. Allen had a mediocre weekend. Not good, but I should be barring a miracle in the 790 Championship League against Ross. So the commissioner, the cha- the is going to make the championship game, yeah. and the guy he gave a D minus to in his draft. That's you. Yes. Huh. Interesting. Yep. So um, me versus Ross. So knowing where these teams stand, the last couple of things here this this hour: Philly's thirteen and two, Minnesota's twelve and three, the Niners are eleven and four. They're one two three. Are they going to finish one two three? Um. Same thing on the AFC side. Buffalo's twelve and three. Casey's twelve and three. Cincy's eleven and four. Are they going to finish one, two, three? So on on the NFC side, I, I'm going to say no to both. I thought Gardner Minshew 
He made himself a lot of money this weekend. He will be a starting quarterback week one of the NFL season next year. Even with the mistakes. I, I think, but he's but he hasn't played. He hasn't played in two years. Like He's played as little as Deshaun Watson has played. And he went out there and he ripped it. He played the same great. weekend that Carson Wentz was summoned off the commander's I bench. I know, and now he's going back in. Like Gardner was ripping it all over the field. I thought he played a really good game. He was good in Jacksonville. Like, And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of teams in the NFL that say, well, he's an upgrade. Whether he's a stopgap guy until your quarterback's ready or you have a good roster. Like The Denver Broncos are a playoff team. In my opinion, with Gardner Minshew, if he's out and there, and Nathaniel Hackett, well, no, no, he sucked too. That's why he got whacked today. But like, I, I so I'm gonna say no because I think it's it's with the Vikings being the Vikings. Like, I, I'm gonna pick Stone Cold Locks. I'm gonna take the Packers this weekend. I think they're minus three or minus four. I'm gonna take the Packers to win that game. Aaron Rodgers is gonna make the playoffs and be a nightmare for Kirk Cousins of Vikings fans. That'll be awesome. I can't oh my wait. God. Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins in the first round of the playoffs on the road. Kirk's definitely going home. And the and the AFC, I'm gonna say no too because without looking at each team's schedule, it's just those are those are three those are probably the three best teams in the NFL: the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals. And it's just hard to say that it's gonna it's gonna hold true. Yeah, we don't know about three. Lamar Jackson for this Sunday night. Ravens host the Steelers. Sounds unlikely. And the Bengals are home for the Bills on Monday night football. Oh, so then yeah, so if the Bengals win this weekend, they'll be the one seed. Well, if the Chiefs don't. Stay where they are. Chiefs have them by a game right now, and the Chiefs are playing the uh, Jerry oh. Rossberg Broncos. Oh, yeah. Never mind. The Chiefs will be the one seed if the Bengals win because the Chiefs won't lose that game. Well, we got all week to predict next week's Monday Night Football game. So we will get there. Uh, a couple other things on the NFL side. We really haven't dug into exactly what took place. What is going right for the Texans? And the saddest question of all, which everyone was hoping we would not ask, is what the Texans are doing. And close losses to the Cowboys and the Chiefs, and now a win over the Titans. Two more weeks to go. Are they doing something that changes the course for their management, for their coaching staff, for some of their personnel as they wind down a very disappointing season? We will start next segment with that chatter and how they beat the Titans when we come back. Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam, talking your teams. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A team. Four o'clock hour here on the A team. Texans got to win this weekend. They went to Nashville. Took an extra hour of waiting, and then it was one of the fastest games of the year as the Texans beat the Titans 19-14. to Not only did they score in the first quarter, which they all of a sudden have been doing a lot more often, they were trailing going into the fourth quarter. Shut out the Titans in the fourth quarter and beat them 19-14. Field goal early in the period, early-ish, midway point. And then the final touchdown drive of the game, Brandon Cooks back of the end zone. A little bit of a scramble from Davis Mills. Kind of said that was part of the, some of the design of the play needed to create a little bit of extra time to, to confuse the Titans on the route that uh, Cooks was running and where he would be. And there he was in the back of the end zone, made the catch just under three minutes to go. Uh, they took the 19-14 lead, went for two, probably the right call, not, not definitely, uh, because you go up 20 to 14 against the Titans, who 
have a, had a hard time moving the ball, I think it's a pretty easy call. You want to go for two. You want to put the game at a touchdown yeah, and I, an extra points lead. And 100%. they just didn't make it. The pass was uh, to Rodgers for the two-point conversion. Did not succeed. So the Titans get the ball back after the Cooks touchdown. Run, run, incompletion. Run from the quarterback. They got a first down. And then you have the Christian Harris interception. Under Such two minutes, throw. he threw. I mean, I Harris almost didn't catch it. Uh, no, because yes. it was right in his bread basket. A little low, even for Harris, I guess, just below his waist. But he bobbled it a few times before corralling it. Returned it twenty yards. So the Texans have the ball thirty-eight yards from the end zone with one thirty-three to go. Titans have all three of their timeouts. Davis Mills could take a knee on all three plays, and you'd probably leave. 120, 117 on the clock following your punt. But all three of their timeouts would be exhausted. If your punter's good, which as it turned out he was, he was able to pin him at the four-yard line. Traymond Smith downed it there. So he was able to kick it less than 40 yards, not have the stupid net of 18 yards by kicking it into the end zone. So that part of it went well. But they didn't force the Titans to call all three of their timeouts because the first play was... A fumble, a mm-hmm. bad exchange yeah. between Davis Mills definitely, and Scott Questenberry. And because the Texans had an illegal formation penalty called on them, while Mills was able to recover it, the clock stops because it was an offensive penalty. So it's second and 11, and they haven't had to use a timeout yet. The Texans obviously weren't trying to win at that point. They were trying to play the clock game. Because, again, if you get a first down, the game's over. That's playing to win. To me, you're more playing to make it hard for them to beat you, but not impossible. You're making it harder for them, but you're not playing to win. Win, win, win. Like, really say it out loud in the huddle, yelling over the headset. We're playing to win at 1-12-1. But they kick it off, or they punt it off to the Titans, And the Titans still have one of their timeouts, so they're able to complete a pass over the middle and call timeout. And then they describe the play where Malik Willis got them from the 27 to the Texans' 43-yard line. He fumbles the ball, scrambling from the Texans. The ball is knocked away by Jerry Hughes. So essentially, it should have been a sack, sack fumble, but he picks it up was able to throw a pass, complete it to Austin Hooper, who also got out of bounds, and John Grenard, as he was chasing Willis, face-masked him. Yeah, that was... And you could see, like, Grenard, like, laughing almost, because, like, it was just... It was such a weird play. He just reached his arm out there, and he grabbed his mask on accident. Yeah, I'm not saying he made oh, no, a no, bad no. play. It, so did... just a, it was a bizarre play all around, from the fumble to the face mask, like... And then they get in position for a Hail Mary. The 15-yard completion. I'll say it again. The 15-yard completion. The longest completion of the game. The last completion of the game for Malik Willis. So they're in position on the Texans side of the field to throw a Hail Mary. He got it into the end zone. Uh, His teammates, like the Texans' last Hail Mary, were handled similarly. You had Desmond King committing a defensive pass interference penalty that was not called. And most of his teammates, Titans teammates, were nowhere near the football. Jalen Petrie went up, he caught it, took a few steps out of the end zone, and slid down, giving himself up and knowing they would be able to kneel to end it. 
they got the win, and they got another turnover. How did the Texans manage their offense in this game? It was another game without Damian Pierce. They did have Brandon Cooks back, and obviously he played a role since he caught the touchdown pass and was out there for the majority of the game and saw the lion's share of the targets. 29 attempts, 9 of those 29 attempts went his way, but he had his typical performance where he had less than 40 yards receiving and barely went down the field. But you had 15-yard catches from Jordan, from Rodgers, from Akins, from Dorsett, and from Cooks. Not that they threw for a ton of yards, but they did get some actual chunk plays in the pass game. Yeah. Even though they were giving time to Jeffrey Driscoll. The yeah, first. I mean, it's really like it was a, we know they can't score on us because our defense is okay. Malik Willis is terrible. So, like, it really just... They're following the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. What wasn't a little disappointing though? After oh. they had two extremely long, they had the ball for fourteen minutes. Yeah, I mean, on back to back drives in the first half, touchdown drive the first time, field goal drive. They, they've got ten points on the board. They're leading ten seven, and then they go three and out. And then they turn it over on downs. Lovey joked about that after the game. Oh, went for it on fourth down at that point in the field. That's what you guys want me to do, right? Well, yes, but the play call's part of the decision, too, isn't it? Yeah, they just... I I think the one thing the offense showed this weekend was like the limitations of just the weapons and the quarterback. Second and ten. simple things, but you can't do anything that's... You can't push the ball down the field. You can't run with effectiveness. First possession of the third quarter. It's second and ten. Eight-yard completion of Brandon Cook. So you already know they're in trouble. Yeah. Because now they're facing third and short, and Damian Pierce is not available. So they give it to Awesome Royce Freeman, second game of the year off the practice squad, five-year NFL veteran who's not a good player. He gets them a yard on third and two. So, of course... Here comes Driscoll. you got to bring in Driscoll, and you definitely want to put him in the shotgun because mm-hmm. you need a yard, so you want to have him a good four or five yards away from the line of scrimmage. He keeps. He doesn't get any yards. They turn it over on downs. What does that lead to? A 48-yard or a 52-yard touchdown drive for the Titans and they're back in front. I don't like when a coach jokes about it because he's making me think he doesn't understand rather than just trying to poke fun. Going for it and calling the right plays, two different things. Yep. You don't get an automatic pat on the back when you go for it when you're when we think you should, when the coward index says you should, when the analytics say you should, and they do take in mind who's on your team. They might not take in mind that you're gonna go to your backup quarterback who's not a good read option quarterback, not a good RPO quarterback. They don't know you're gonna do that because they don't know what call play you're gonna call. And they do know Damian Pierce isn't there. I get it. And I do see some understanding of why in other very recent situations. And fourth and one near midfield, he hasn't gone for it. I, I think he should go for it every time, even with their personnel. And it's not only because they're a one-win team. It's because it's a yard with a team that's has they started that drive like almost every other drive. They had the ball at the 28-yard line. They converted a third down. They're at the they're at midfield. They've already moved the ball 28 yards or 25 yards. Yeah, but it's okay. okay. Yeah, that's... So go put further. Di- why, why do you think they have a hard time finishing? Because it's so hard to finish when you leave the other team in the game or in front all game long. Yeah, and that's where Lovey's just, and Pep, their offense has just been so conservative. Just finish off a 10-point win, a 14-point win. Not a, we got to come from behind in the game because we left this team on the field in the game for so long because 
this is what we're doing. They, they were clearly the better team, and it's not just because of the turnovers. It absolutely is because they the other team didn't have a quarterback who'd throw the football. They, they couldn't throw the football. And you figured out how to, after the first 48-yard run, I mean, the Texans just get totally crushed for it. Oh, what's going on here? Derrick Henry's running over all, all over the Texans? Must be a day that ends in Y. They did it he better. didn't run for 200 yards. Yeah, he he didn't for... gash them other than, I mean, how many other even, he had an 11-yard run. I think it was the second longest run of the game. They it's, did a pretty good job. And it's still why I think like the Titans were poorly coached because you knew you had nothing in Malik Willis and like they did, they did nothing. They've done nothing so far with him. To be creative in any way. Because they should be more creative with how they get him out in space where he can yeah. maybe run more. Because Give me some bootlegs. Like, it's just... It's maybe just, he's also not ready to throw on the move. And they're worried that he, they're trying not to turn the ball over. Which my, they ultimately did yeah, in this but game. Michael Vick couldn't throw on the move at first. And, like, they would literally just well, fake it to work done. And then he would run naked bootleg yes, running. But I think that's where we're missing the gap between... Willis's running and athleticism versus Vicks. Vicks yeah, is top five NFL history yeah, as a Malik, quarterback. Malik, he should be special though. Like he can get outside the. Pocket. Are you sure? Like I don't mean it as such know. a negative connotation. No, I don't but, know anymore because I thought coming out of college, like he, you watched him play at Liberty, he could throw the ball down the field. Yeah, it was like the one thing he had. And I know the Titans don't have Burks out there, and like they're they don't have the deep threat guys. I mean, their best wide receiver on their roster is mostly a return man. And Robert Woods, like they, they don't really have the guy to push it down the field, but that's what he was best at. And honestly, I think like just throw the ball. Texans down the are field. also pretty good at limiting that. Yeah, I mean, like I, I give Lovey credit for, and I don't know if they're. I, I hope their opinion about Lovey is not changing. If they were going to move on, I, I think it is still the right decision to move on from Lovey Smith, but. I'll I'll give them credit. Like they've gotten better against the run, much better the back half of the season. They've done pretty good against the pass. And there's a lot of games this year. We go okay. Like his defense, it's not it's not normal. But from the talent he has, like you're seeing it, and you're seeing Petrie develop, and you're seeing Christian Harris develop. I mean, and um, I can't remember which corner was last week was talking about the peanut punch. Like there are things that are being implemented clearly by Lovey Smith in which you're seeing the defense improve and they're taking advantage of teams and they're like they're they're forcing their weaknesses. If Malik Willis could throw the ball at all, the Texans would have lost that game because Lovey like they had a good game plan and it was effective. The the problem is honestly, it's the offense. The defense is fine. It's not sexy, it's not you know a, a top 10 defense in the NFL. But they've done enough to win a lot of games this year, and the offense is just absolutely inept from the play calling to the quarterback play. So, I don't know. Maybe Lovey is going to get another shot at this, Wex. I think he is, personally. I'm starting to change. I See, I don't think- say you're starting, to- you're starting to change your mind because what you've seen. No, because I think Nick is starting to change his mind because of what he's seen. I'll give you what, why this this is where I'm headed with, with that decision. Said we would get into it, and that is what we will uh, continue to discuss. Signature segment comes up next with the good, the bad, and the ugly. i got to tell you about Ice Cold Refreshing Bud Lights. Had the opportunity to enjoy that uh, Christmas meal I just mentioned a few minutes ago. And yes, with the uh, great meal 
Appreciate my brother-in-law hooking us up with that. Had a nice, cold, refreshing Bud Light. Fantastic to go with family and friends uh, to be watching all the uh, football and basketball yesterday. And as you get ready to tailgate at least one more time here in Houston with your Texans, their home finale coming up against the Jaguars this weekend, noontime on Sunday. The official beer of the Houston Texans, as we all know, is ice cold, refreshing Bud Light. And of course, as you get ready to ring in the new year, I know Bud Light right there in the cooler, right there in the uh, fridge or two at the house, wherever you're going to enjoy yourself. Make sure you enjoy your Bud Light safely, safely this holiday season, just like I do, safely and responsibly. And go ahead and plan ahead for that safe ride home. Now, the good. Oh, good. The bad. That's not good. And the ugly. Don't make me get ugly. With the A-Team. We're showing you the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugly. The good, the bad, the ugly on a signature segment on a Monday, back from a long weekend, it seemed, although we were here with you Friday and we're back with you on Monday, a holiday weekend nonetheless. This is pretty specific, and it's not even all the way good yet. It's still pending. And it's actually not even an out-of-the-ordinary good. It's standard operating procedure good. But I'm glad at least a little bit of a light has been shed on Mac Jones. Dirty, 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 dirty hit on Eli Apple. It's good that people are aware it happened, that the league is looking at it. But again, it's kind of what they do every week with plays that need to be looked at. So nothing yet out of the ordinary. It will become a good, you know, full birth to grown-up good. When he gets suspended? When he gets a significant punishment. I kind of... I know a couple players got suspended for their actions after the game yesterday. Yeah, we got a fight with what? Was that Granny Gregory? Yes. And yeah. uh, former Texans O-lineman Ode Obusha. Obusha. Who? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, did this not take place? This is the uh, the Broncos and the Rams. Uh-huh. Did this not take place right next to Baker Mayfield as he was doing his on-field interview with Tracy did. Wolfson? Yeah, I think it did. And he kind of uh, angled them out of the way so they didn't run her over yeah. as they were fighting with one another. Anyway, the league needs, like, quarterbacks get every... I mean, I know they get hurt all the time, and they're very vulnerable players. They are defenseless players to a certain extent, uh, to a very large extent, when they're throwing the football, and that's why there are rules in place to try to protect them. We know the league wants their quarterbacks to stay healthy on top of it because the quality of play, as we've seen, deteriorates rapidly from starters to reserves. Not at every other position, but definitely at this position. So protecting them is fine. But if they do things outside of the rules, and I definitely think this hit uh, during a run back of what was an incomplete pass to begin with um, on Mac Jones, it, it, it's it's finable. Not sure if it's suspendable, although I think Personally, if other players, think players had done it in other situations and we see these plays happen and get called, it wasn't called during the game. Yes, I hope something does come of it. And a suspension would be fine. Another loss for the Patriots, by the way. What a big surprise. Yeah, I mean, that's just... What's too funny, too, though, is that in that game, once they finally started letting Mac rip it a little bit, like they started... They were coming back. I mean, they were up 22... I think the Bengals were up 22 nothing. Yes. And then the Patriots came back to make it 22-18, and then they get that late turnover. And Yeah, and it wasn't his fault Ramondre Stevenson fumbled. I'm, I'm kind of coming down pretty hard on Man, him. He was- Ramondre, he's going to get cut by Bill Belichick. He's their best talent. I know, but he fumbled a lot of drops. Like, he's like everything. Are the that's Titans not... going to cut Derrick Henry, too? No. Three straight weeks with a fumble. I know. That is bad. 
It's not my bad, though. That's your, yes. I, I didn't go, even though it's a holiday weekend, I, I, I have my wet blanket, and I mm. told everybody I used it already mm-hmm. last week on the show. I'll remind everybody a little bit later, a very large topic we've not yet hit on on the show. Oh, you mean like Carlos Correa? No, no. Different oh. return to Houston. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that was my fault because I couldn't give you the exact quotes you were looking for. So you're more wet blanking me. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go bad. I, this Carlos Correa thing, it's a bizarre, bizarre story. Okay, so his physical has shown some concerns with the, with the Giants. Steve Cohen swoops in and gets reported by John Heyman, his little toy. That he's getting a that Correa is now going to get a twelve year, three hundred fifteen million dollar deal from the Mets. Big news. He takes his physical. John Heyman also reports that a first class organization the Mets are because they got a private jet for Carlos Correa. He's really hurting for cash to fly to New York for his physical. We'd like to sign you to three hundred fifteen million dollar deal, but if you and any of your family want to come out to the actual signing, you're going to have to play pay for yeah. it yourself. Um, I don't think anybody does exactly. that exactly. Uh, so, but then it's radio silence again. And then the reports come out since our last show that there's concerns. And it's bizarre because we all know about his back. We all know his back should be the red flag, but he's only missed like, you know, really a small handful of games over the last three seasons. This year, the most of the games he missed because of a broken finger and COVID. When he got hit and COVID. So it's like he's not major injuries, but it's this surgically repaired leg that he broke in double A when he was 19 years old that apparently has sent up another red flag. And it's just a bad and weird story, honestly. Because a renegotiation really like... seems still to me most likely. Not a. But what does that mean? Under 10 years? Five what, years? What would, you be, what would you be most willing to do if you're the team? And what would you be willing to accept if you're the player? Because you can't have a conditional deal. He's in in free agency to get guaranteed money. He can't put together a deal that's a 10-year deal, but if after five years he's only played 60% of the games on the schedule, then we can, you know, opt out. Like, I don't think he can accept anything like that. But if that, you know, you get it depends on how the negotiations go. What are they considering? They're already only paying only, only paying him twenty six million per year. That's what I think it's just so it's the only it's, it's the length. That's the issue. But this particular believed issue the leg does that mean that the Mets think well he's already played for nine years on it so he's probably good for another four That's what I don't understand. but then eight years from now it's degenerative it's going to give him so yes. much trouble that he can't so we have to limit the I mean it's a, anybody's guess my guess is Carlos Correa in January We'll have an introductory press conference with the New York Mets. Yeah, it's just it's an it's an odd. Maybe before the new year, but it, I think he's going to be a Met. I yeah. think Carlos can't let a second team get cold feet, use the no, medicals as a reason, a and expect that, a third team. But there's a report that other teams are now reaching out. There were 31 or 29 teams in baseball last year, last off season, that did not offer him 300 million. Two teams have offered him three hundred million this off season. Yeah, and now there's a third when there were zero a year ago. I, no, <laughs> that's what's so written. No, how could there be a third team? Who the Yankees? That's why I don't think there is a the third. Red Sox. I 
See, the Dodgers? I think, I think if, if what happens now is if Carlos doesn't end up with the Mets, he's taking a shorter term deal that's not $300 million, but that's closer to the $35 million he was getting. Maybe it's a five-year deal worth $34 million a year. Whatever that math is, because I ain't doing it. But like... It's $170 million. Yeah. Thanks. So like Dansby Swanson, seven years, 177. Does Carlos take five 175? Like, would you be open to taking way less? I mean, that's that's $130 million less than he was supposed to take. Like, would you take a... If they said, it's a pretty we'll long, you, hard conversation you have with your agent and who would be tough. real with you. He was only able to find, and I don't not blame you, I'm saying he was only able to find you a three-year deal for $105 million, $105.3 million, with an option year after year one and year two. You took it, and I think you were wise to do so. He played a relatively healthy season with no major long-term injury concerns that were apparent. And this this offseason happened to be the offseason of let's spend $300 million. Let's spend $200 million. Look at how many different teams did spend big. The Rangers spent big. The Phillies spent big. The Padres spent big. The Giants spent big. Or so they thought. They tried. The Mets spent. I mean, this was correct. Yeah, the I Yankees mean, spent big. Yeah. And it just, he might not get any of it still. And just real quick for the ugly, uh, for the third time this season, concussions and Tua are back in the conversation to a Tonga back in concussion protocols again. Um, there was a concussion that we all saw that they didn't do anything about that led to the investigation and the rule change. Then he got a concussion the following week, missed two games, and now he's in concussion protocol for, a, I guess, for technically a second time this season. And his status for Sunday is TBD. Teddy Bridgewater would be the starting quarterback. The, the Dolphins. Also ugly, your play, Tua. You stunk. Three consecutive possessions with an interception where his guys had no chance of catching it. This is the guy, I mean, he is everything good we said about him. We have to take back all of it. You know when it all went bad, right? When people figured out the offense? No. When the Dolphins were leading 30 to nothing over the Houston Texans. And then the Texans came back? No, it was the last time he played well. Was it really? They took him out of the game in the third quarter because he was getting hit too much. That's right. And they have not played well since. I forgot about that. He has not played well since. They have not played well since. That game feels like a lifetime ago. It does. Dolphins close out their season with the Patriots and then the Jets as they try to claim most likely the last playoff spot. Uh, Baltimore probably is one of the wild card teams, although they could still win the division. The Chargers are probably the other wild card team. Uh, With a win tonight, they would become that. And that leaves one spot. Dolphins are currently in the driver's seat, but if the battle for the last playoff spot is between Mike White, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, and Teddy Bridgewater, or Skylar Thompson, wow, that is a pretty different-looking team that's going to go to the playoffs if that is your quarterback situation. Uh, let me tell you about Classic Chevy Sugarland and Classic Chevy Highway 6. I uh, hope some of you enjoyed the holidays with that special gift that probably doesn't fit under the tree. From Classic Chevy Sugarland or Classic Chevy Highway 6. I know a bunch of you did because I, I know they were open and making people happy this holiday season with a great new vehicle. It could even be an awesome new custom Silverado. First things first, nobody has more inventory than Classic Chevy Sugarland or Classic Chevy Highway 6. But those custom Silverados, like I mentioned, uh, they got something awesome for you right now. $5.99 down or $5.99 a month with a new custom Silverado or lease options 
right now going on at two ninety nine down or two ninety nine a month at the uh, place where nobody's been better. GM Dealer of the Year, running on 12 years in a row. Soon enough, we'll be able to tell you it's 13 years in a row for Classic Chevy Sugarland and Classic Chevy Highway 6, where you truly can relax and enjoy the difference. Make sure you go see the owners, family-owned and operated, Jeff and Tiffany Sebastian. A great holiday season. Take advantage of them. More inventory than anyone else. And when you head over to Classic Chevy Sugarland or Classic Chevy Highway 6, you tell them Adam Wexler sent you by. Very popular topic is always, who's getting fired next this season in the NFL? What's Black Monday going to look like Well, between now and the start of the postseason, between now and the start of the offseason after the Super Bowl? How many teams will have hired and fired, fired and then hired new coaches? Cliff? Interim coaching status for two programs already before today. You had what's going on in Carolina where they win and they're in. Oh, Steve Wilkes is definitely going to be the head coach there next year. Uh, he got the interim head coaching job after Matt Rule was uh, had his ways parted. You call that firing in most places. Uh, he got fired. And the other interim coach before today. Mr. Saturday. Mr. Saturday took over for Frank Reich after uh, Jim Irsay said, we're, just not, we're not playing good enough football. So they've been worse. And just Saturday took over. They'll be starting their third different quarterback tonight when they take on the Chargers. And they hand the ball to Nick Foles, previously handed to Matt Ryan for most of the season. Sam Ellinger on one awful afternoon of football. So bad. And uh, now it's Nick Foles' turn for, I don't know, tonight and another game and another game? Hard to say. But possibly the starting quarterback on the last Sunday of the season against the Texans in Indy. And what could be a battle for the top pick in the draft. But a third interim coach took over today when Nathaniel Hackett's 4 and 11 record, uh, not good enough. And while there's, I thought their performances were no more or less embarrassing than this most recent one, the score might have been different. It was 51 to 14, and you lost to a Baker Mayfield led team that had, let's see, the same number of wins as you. So maybe that was different to I them. I think it's, you gave up 51 points. You got players fighting on the sidelines. You got your quarterback throwing the football to the other team three times you, in the but, first, what, yeah. 25 plays? Look, I, I've always been an anti-Russ guy. I literally, like two or three months ago, I went out and said he's the biggest loser in the NFL on the nightcap, and the people came after me. Let me tell you something. Russell Wilson watched his backup quarterback get into a fight or an argument with the offensive line, and because he's such, such a loser that only cares about his image, he walked over to them, knelt down on the sidelines, put a football over his mouth so you couldn't see what he's saying because all he cares about is his image and the cameras. He doesn't care about the other stuff. Isn't more important that... They don't care about him. Hundred percent. You could tell they weren't responding, but like it was so clear. Like when you look at the video, like he's clearly aware of where the cameras are, and he's trying to make it so you can't see him talking. Like it's embarrassing. All he cares about is his image. Shout out to Pete Carroll and the Seahawks for not trading to the Bears. How did they know? Appreciate you. Because he was with him for years. Like I just. 
it's just crazy. Like the Russell Wilson drop off. I mean, I, I I thought there was like I know Clanton said before the season when we did our most disappointing teams, he was very right. I was very wrong. I said the Bengals. I'm very wrong. He said the Broncos. Hundred percent right. Yeah, but he, like, but this this is stunning. I thought maybe like the defense wouldn't hold up. Or Judy. Well, and finally, all they, they kind of succumbed a yeah. little bit with no help from their offense. Their defense has been pretty good most of the year. And I think some of the things they've been able to do, even though they traded away Bradley Chubb, some of the things they do, some of the players that they have certainly can help them. So three interim coaches. That's 32 gigs. There's three teams that will need to name a new head coach this year. And I think I would agree. Carolina probably it would be fine saying Steve Wilkes is our head coach next year. So we'll start with these odds. The six coaches with odds to be fired before the postseason begins. Who are those six coaches that drew odds sure. to be fired? Uh, Cliff Kingsbury. He's the leader by a lot. Yeah, of course he is. One to seven odds, which I don't think I've ever actually seen in print. <laughs> I don't think I have either. Um, you know what? I'm going to assume that they're going to miss the playoffs. I'm going to put Ron Rivera on that list. Rivera's not on the list. They've put together a pretty long winning streak in season. I would be surprised. With multiple quarterbacks. I wouldn't fire Ron Rivera. Let me ask you one quick question. Did you see him telling his players, the four players that made the Pro Bowl? Yes. You're going to fire Ron Rivera? You can't fire Ron Rivera. He loves these guys. They love him. He's not. Is he making big mistakes? Ron Rivera is Is he doing coaching malpractice during games? No. Ron Rivera is... So why are you firing him? Maybe the only coach in the NFL who could overcome being the head coach for Daniel Snyder. I honestly like... Did you see who's suing Daniel Snyder today? The original, what are they called? The original hogs? Yes. John Riggins. Yeah. The, the offensive lineman who created that yeah. for their style of play it was, it was emulated by their fans, literally dressing up as hogs. It was a big deal during the Joe Gibbs era. Okay. Um, and they've felt like the team has not properly handled who helped make that happen despite trying to amicably work, amicably work things out before. Their next game, where they're supposed to be honored, they've instead decided to sue. Um, uh, Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen's on the list. He's fourth on the list as most likely to be fired before game one of the playoffs. Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith. What's wrong with Arthur Smith? What do you want him to do with Marcus Mariota? I, I don't know. I don't know. But He's like, not on the list. Really? They had a chance to win the division before, like in the last 24 hours. I know. They're way under 500. It's not his fault. Is my guy Stefanski he on there? He didn't draft Kyle Pitts. I know. It's my guy Stefanski on Stefanski's there? Stefanski's on the list. He's at 8-1. to one. Is he, So what is he, like fifth? He's tied for fifth with Tom Brady's head coach. Well, Lovey's on there. Lovey is second. Um, Does uh, Todd Bowles deserve to be on this list? 100%. Why can't you just fire Byron Leftwich and agree that Tom Brady's terrible and say, what do you want Todd Bowles to do? He's watching Tom Brady not move the ball. Tom's Three and out, four and out, one first down, punt. The end of that game I yesterday know. was pathetic. I know. And the big first three quarters of that game, Brady was pathetic. Again, open receiver, missed him. Open receiver, missed him. I know what his completion percentage was by the end of the game, and he threw 48 more passes and 67% of them were complete. Very, I think the misses are killing them for sure. because that's how you get down the field and score points. I think it's very they reasonable. They won a game with four field goals I think it's against very, Trace McSorley. I think it's very reasonable that Tom Brady's gone and Bruce Arians is the head coach of the, of the Buccaneers. But why would he year. want to be back? Because I think he's gone because he didn't want to work with Tom. He, uh, 
Okay, well then, who are you working I know, with? I know, but Tom like, Brady the, retired. The future of the Bucks is not good. It's not good, but Tom Brady retired two weeks later or a week later. Bruce Arians stepped down a week and a half later. Tom Brady came back. Was he on the sidelines again this week? I don't know. <laughs> um, I still don't know where where it is. People like the, so. The list, by the way: Kingsbury, Lovey, McDaniel's, Allen, Stefanski, Bulls. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniel. They're terrible, dude. I know. They don't win. Guess who's I've near the top of the league drum. in interception percentage in his brand new offense, tailor-made for Josh McDaniels, I've been, Derek Carr. I've been beating that drum that he should go, but... He got Hunter Renfro so, and wait, Darren so, Waller back this week, so then they stopped throwing to Devontae okay, Adams. So do you think there's a path in which four first-year coaches are fired? One Hackett, Lovey, McDaniels... And Dennis Allen? Sure, there's a path, but again, what, what what's Dennis Dennis Allen's biggest problem? His quarterback doesn't have a quarterback. What's Josh McDaniel's biggest problem? Him. They think they have a quarterback. They made the playoffs last year, and they got Devontae Adams, and they're worse. He's the problem. I'm not wrong. What's Lovey's problem? Everything. But Lovey? what's Lovey's problem? His defense. You just said last segment, two segments ago, their defense getting, is fine. It's getting better, but it's not good enough. That's where we haven't really he hired Pep Hamilton. We haven't really dug down on the lovey part. That's what I leave you this segment with. What is the situation? What are you evaluating? What are you really seeing? What are you really thinking about regarding Lovey Smith's tenure as head coach through this season? He's obviously not getting fired before the end of the season, but the end of the season is 14 days away when they finish up on the road in Indianapolis. His contract lasts much longer than that. They could obviously part ways with him if they so choose. I don't think they're going to. And I'm going to tell you why next. So before I uh, delve into Lovey Smith, Texans head coach for the second year next year, which will be the case, according to me, Broncos next head coach odds at least give you a peek into some of the names that probably are in the head coaching candidate carousel, young and old. Uh, being that Dan Quinn, who was nearly hired as a head coach this year, instead returned to D.C. for Mike McCarthy's Cowboys again. Hot name about six weeks ago. Cooling name over the last handful of very poorly played defensive games by the Cowboys. But that's, to me, kind of silly. He was a head coach. He coached his team in the Super Bowl. It was reported he turned down a job last year, too. And he's a good defensive coach. Just He is. I mean, he might not always have a great defense, but the game hasn't passed him by. He's not doing things that other teams wouldn't want. He, he's a head coaching candidate. He's absolutely capable of of uh, coaching your team to wins if he's provided with talent. So I could see him becoming a head coach somewhere, and the Broncos is a reasonable place. Uh, the first name on the list and the last name on the list, I think, are both ridiculous. Plenty of other ridiculous names in between. But Sean Payton's at the top of the list. Sean Payton's not coaching New Orleans for a number of reasons, one of which just might be he could see the writing on the wall, and he doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, unless he really, really, really wants to work with George Payton and really believes in his ability to access quality talent because they're not going to hire Payton in one year, George Payton, follow that up by hiring Sean Payton and orchestrating a trade to get him because he retired from the Saints and would necessitate a deal to acquire him. You're going to either have to trust him or you're giving Payton personnel power and immediately turn around and yeah, firing. It's, not happening. it's very unlikely. I mean, I'll say the last I, it's name the worst the li- job open. 
And of it will, the three? Uh, and it will. It doesn't matter what job opens. It'll be the worst job available. Their future assets are limited because of the trade deal. Their quarterback um, cap table is awful. And I th- and their quarterback is awful. And I kind of feel like they're going to try to they're going to stick with Russ. Well, he's the starting quarterback when the year begins next year, at the very least. I think so. So, I mean, if they're smart, they'll just eat the dead cap and cut them. But. Among the names on the list that have not been NFL head coaches before, Shane Steichen, we've talked about him. He's the OC in Philadelphia. He'll be interviewed by nearly every team that has an opening, I think. Mm-hmm. D'Amico Ryans is on the list, the D.C. for the Niners. Long been thought to be a highly sought-after candidate last year as well. I think he will draw interviews wherever he would like. Eric Bieniemy's name is still on the list. If... Pat Mahomes is doing this all by himself, then great. He's awesome. Pretty unlikely that he's doing all of this by himself. Granted, he's a magician, and he was a magician again this week, and he had maybe the touchdown run of the week with his extension for the score. But Eric Bieniemy continues to call plays for them, run that offense with different personnel for the third time, real shift in personnel, and they're continuing to do what they do. Never been a head coach before. Kellen Moore, OC in Dallas. I think he is highly sought after by one owner. That's Jerry. That's Jerry. Uh, The DC in Denver, who was with the Rams, was with the Niners before that. Ezra Evero, who's in an interesting situation in Denver now, because the reason he's there is because of Hackett. They're very good friends. He's never been a head coach before. He's a younger guy, but I mentioned him earlier in the show. I think there's a real good chance he is a strong candidate. I, I'm kind of feeling he's more uh, in the future than this offseason cycle. Byron Leftwich is on this list. If he was hot last year and only got close to one job, which was the Jags job, which uh, reportedly he said no to when they wouldn't agree to his one additional demand. Which was fire Trent Balky. Fire Trent Balky. So he went back to Tampa and everything has looked bad, whether it's his fault or Tom's fault or the fact that Arians isn't there. Whatever it is, it does not look good what they've done this year. Um, those are the first-time names on the list, which if the Texans had an opening, I think would be interesting interviews. Brian Schottenheimer is also on the list, but I can't imagine why. Because he's Russell's boy. Come on, man. Look, we've seen Why a lot. Why don't you of, just name Russell the OC? We've then. seen a lot of organizations give power to people that shouldn't have it. These are first-time owners. If they think this is all Hackett's fault, maybe they'll talk to Russ and say, "Who do you want?" And he's going to say Brian Schottenheimer. I don't think so, but I wouldn't rule it out. I would. I just did right then and there. Fair. He's not going to become a head coach. He's barely been in a position to be next in line. Didn't he interview here? Mm, I don't think so. Was, when was that? It last wasn't, year. It wasn't in this last cycle. Brian Schottenheimer? There not was for, a, there not was, for head coach. There was a weird one. Joe Lombardi? Heinz Ward? That's what, Joe Lombardi was the name I was thinking of. Uh, he's with the Chargers. Yeah. And has been run, helping to run their offense. Yeah, super successfully. I don't can't tell. You're gonna have to fill me in. Was that sarcasm, sarcasm. or no? So the Chargers offense with I Justin think, Herbert I don't think it, and a billion injuries. I know, I know, Wax. I know, but like I just don't to all of his receivers. I don't see enough. Wow. So, but Kevin O'Connell killed it with Matt Stafford. So he got a head coaching job with Minnesota, and they've been unbelievable. And I don't think he was really doing anything with Matt Stafford. You never know who the guy is. 
But I think the guy is, like I said, Lovey. Top of the hour, more on Lovey Smith returning to the Texans. It's not official or anything. I hope you guys are paying attention. Yeah, it's just I'm not trying to break news just here. It's an opinion. And it has less to do with Lovey and more to do with Nick Casario. I will explain football at 5. We will talk with Brian T. Smith next. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A-Team. 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 Are you ready for some football? It's five o'clock somewhere. Nothing, baby. It's five o'clock football. Run that over here. Professional football in America is a special game. Football five here on the 18th, back from the weekend, the holiday weekend, the Texans' big weekend. Another road win. Two of them now this season. If you know your if you know your Texans record, you know that means they have yet to earn one on home field. One more chance to do it. That comes this weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like to say they could be spoilers, but technically for this game it doesn't really even matter. Jaguars win the division if they beat the Titans in week 18, regardless of what happens this weekend. Same thing with regardless of what happens obviously in the Titans game this coming week uh, against the Cowboys on Thursday night football, but 19 to 14 the Texans got the second victory under Lovey Smith. The third time they have not lost in their 15 games. Two more games to go in season number one for Lovey Smith. One head coach in year one fired. That took place today, Nathaniel Hackett. Many people pointed out there have only been three head coaches who did not complete year one uh, since the Texans have been around. If you recall, one of them was Bobby Petrino. Under ridiculous circumstances, he basically quit. So he go coach in he college notes football. In the locker room, and he left notes for his players. Uh, the other was just last year. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett lasted two more games than Urban Meyer did. <laughs> Urban Meyer was two and eleven last season. Lovey's two twelve and one, and is obviously still the head coach of the Houston Texans. Let's talk about it. With Brian T. Smith of the Houston Chronicle, Chronicle columnist. And uh, this has unfortunately been an ongoing topic for every game of Nick Casario's run as general manager. Who is the head coach of the Texans and for how long and what is next? I think one thing we agree on is Nick Casario can possibly be allowed to hire a fourth head coach. So the next one he hires, and he will do that, better be good and correct the question now just remains, is that higher this offseason or sometime in the future? Yeah, that's a great way to point it, Wex. I mean, sometimes, especially with the Texans or with the NFL or pro sports, or sports in general, you have to come at it with a backward type of logic, right? You have, you have to kind of work your way into it, um, not from the front door, but from the other side of the house. And that's a great way to point it. I mean, there's, there's no way in the world, uh, unless Nick wins two Super Bowls with the next head coach, he's hiring four. That's just not happening. Uh, if you go nine and seven, you know, nine and eight every year or ten and seven, that doesn't give you the right in the NFL to hire four. So yes, it, theoretically, his next one will be his last one with the Houston Texans if we go off of logic. And the question continues continues to be, even after you beat a backup quarterback in Nashville, how much longer with the current regime? How much longer with Lovey Smith? How much longer with Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton, et cetera. And I, I say this every week, and this continues to be the truth. The only person who seems to really know that or have any feel for when that decision will be made will be Cal McNair, finally. And, you know, is, is he going to let Nick 
run this this offseason and, and use the number one draft pick potentially on Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Anderson? Is he going to put his full faith in a post-Jack Easterby era, era in Nick Casario? That would seem to be the case, right? Because there's enough promise with Jalen Petrie and Damian Pierce and some of the other players, the veterans that Casario has brought in. He's going to have a ton of cap room. He's going to have a maneuverability. If you're going to try to position yourself to take a real leap, not in 2023, but in 2024, 2025, the time to make a move at the head coach position is right now. You can't, you can't fix the past, right? You, it, it's impossible, whether you're running the world, whether you're an NFL team, you can't fix the past. David Culley was a mistake. We all know that. Lovey Smith, was he a mistake? They're going to decide that in the next few weeks. But if you're the Houston Texans, you have to let everything go in the past. Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby, what is the right move for 2023 and beyond? Is that to keep Lovey Smith or is that to move on? Every week I say this, I see nothing right now that says that you have to keep Lovey Smith next year. There's, there's nothing about that that says that that must happen with this organization to move this team forward. You know, Brian, because of what we've seen in, in Denver with Russell Wilson, with Jim Ursay running the Colts, yeah. have the Texans somehow stumbled upon themselves to now be the not least desirable head coaching position in the <laughs> NFL? That's, a, that's an interesting way to put it. The, the, the only thing I will say about that, and this is, you know, whenever something happens, right, within, with Denver, I, my first reaction, and, and you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this, I admit this, is how does this reflect on the Texans? How, how do the Texans look when you when you run it through that prism i think the denver firing is very interesting on, on a multitude of levels number one they wanted had now they had other options but that was an important hire for them they had moved on from fangio you bring in russell wilson granted you have an ownership change but right there that's telling you that on some level whatever the the new billionaire walton ownership group knows that denver is not good enough and granted they were embarrassed on national tv uh, you know, around Christmas Day, Russell Wilson's going backwards and he's paid a ton of money, but they still have talent on that roster. You have Russell Wilson. Maybe he is fixable with a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach, a new regime. Jim Irsay for all the problems, and there are problems, obviously. He recognizes that winning four or five games, winning six games, having Matt Ryan, whatever it is, is not good enough. Finishing second place in AFC South is not good enough. What do the Texans think? And I, I just I think it's interesting that we've, we've seen this the last few years, Jacksonville specifically. Brandon Urban Meyer was an absolute disaster. Anyone else would have fired him. Nobody else would have hired him. But are the Texans going to be content to say, hey, we've looked a little better the last few games. You know, we, we got to win against a backup quarterback that wouldn't be starting anywhere else in the NFL. That might be good enough for them. I don't know the Texans. I'm not the billionaire. I don't run this team. That might be good enough for them, and they try to continue to build it slowly. But at some point, I will always come back to this. You have to have the right head coach. You have to have the right OC. If you're really going to win, you have to have the right people. When are they going to, when are they going to have the right people? I'm sorry. I don't believe they have the right people right now to win the Super Bowl in the next couple of years at the head coach and offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator position. Should they land that number one pick? How important of a conversation do you think that is between Nick's side of the table and the candidates when it comes to, well, who's my quarterback going to be next year? And how much do you like Bryce Young? And what do you see in C.J. Stroud? And can you run a team with this quarterback there as we move forward? Yeah, 
it's all interesting, right? Because you have to, I'll go back to the term that was very briefly used, very briefly, during actually a successful year overall with Bill O'Brien and Brian Gain, remember him, as a one-year general manager, philosophical alignment, front office alignment. You have that. It's never perfect. It's never perfect. But you have that ultimately in Kansas City. You have that in Philadelphia. You have some level in Dallas with crazy Jerry Jones and, and everything going on with there. You, 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 you have to have the quarterback, the offense, the defense, the GM, and the owner. And on some level, it's never perfect, but on some level, they have to be aligned. And that's reflected in the locker room and on the roster down the board. That's how it works in the NFL at a high level. We've seen that improved in Jacksonville. They're not perfect. There's no guarantee that they win the AFC South this year. Trevor Lawrence could take a step backward. But they look like they're moving toward a goal. They look like they have some form of alignment. If you're the Texans, you can't go into this offseason and not have your GM and your head coach and your maybe TBDOC not all believe in whoever you end up drafting and your quarterback. I mean, that's the thing. It's not just are you going to take Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or, uh, you know, trade down to the 10th pick and, God forbid, take Will Levis or something like that. You have to have the right head coach to develop that quarterback. You have to have the right OC to get the best out of that quarterback and a GM who believes in the head coach. What are you going to do with Davis Mills? Is Davis Mills going to be your backup next year and you're going to draft Bryce Young? That's not a bad plan, but is, do you have the right head coach who believes in that? All of these things go together, and that's why I continue to believe. Just take a step back, look at what's happened in Indy, look at what's happened in Denver, look at what's happened with the Texans the last few years. It just doesn't feel like Lovey Smith is Nick Casario's guy. And then if Nick Casario is going to get one more year, two more years to turn this around, to say, hey, you know, we're going to give you a full runway to get this rebuild right, he's got to have the right quarterback. He's, he missed it on Davis Mills. He's got to have the right, right head coach. And if he, if he fires, if, if Nick Casario fires, uh, Lovey Smith is a head coach, he has to get the next head coach right. I mean, that, that is 100 to 0. It has to be, other than the next number one pick, the best decision of Nick Nick Casario's career as a Texans GM thus far. Brian T. Smith, Houston Chronicle columnist, joining us here as he does each Monday. The uh, question I have off of that response is on Nick Casario. We we have no disagreement, I don't think, in how the Texans are run, especially with Jack Easterby not being there. The decision-maker, the man who's got the full run of the organization in every possible way, is Nick Casario. I tend to agree with what you said when you said it doesn't seem, it doesn't feel like Lovey Smith is his guy. I think we'd all agree that David Cully was not his guy. Then how does a guy who has complete run of the organization, <laughs> not once but not twice, hire his guy as a head coach? What is preventing him, and either then or now, from hiring his guy, quote-unquote? It's a great question. The, the backward logic of that, going back to the start of, the, of, of this interview, the backward logic will say the Jack Easterby influence, right? That, that Jack Easterby still had sway, that one of the reasons that Nick Casario was brought here, he was lured here. I mean, you go back to that when they tried to, to poach him from England, New England at the ring ceremony. Wasn't it Jack Easterby trying to, you know, reportedly, you know, whatever, be on a plane? He was driving the plane. He borrowed the plane. He sold the plane. Whatever was going on. It always felt like David Cully and Lovey Smith because of Josh McCown. That wasn't a Lovey Smith, but that was Josh McCown. That that's who they wanted to hire. That that was never all Nick Casario. And so 
this will, you know, as much as you want to talk about Nick and Lovey and Davis Mills and Pep and all these things, this will come down to one thing. Does Cal McNair believe that he has the right general manager? And if I believe I have the right general manager, and I, I think we'll keep Nick. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be stunned. I say this every week, but I'll be surprised. But if he keeps Nick, I just, I don't know how they all sit in a room and be like, my gosh, guys, we've got it. We've got the system and the coach and the OC and all we're missing is a quarterback. I just haven't seen that this year from this team. They've been, they've been better the last few weeks. Uh, I, I don't put any stock. I mean, it, it, it's a nice little win. I don't put any stock into beating Malik Willis when Davis Mills is throwing for 170 yards. It just doesn't impress me. It doesn't move me in a league with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in a conference. You, you have to beat Patrick Mahomes. Nick Casario knows that. He's a really smart guy. He's, you know, football smart, world smart, business smart, Fortune 500 smart. He knows you have to have a better defense and a better offense, a better play calling and a better quarterback. And I believe he knows you have to have a better head coach that fits this team as it moves forward. I think right now, Nick stays, they draft Bryce Young, and they, they move on from Lovey and Pep this all season. If I had to bet right now, that's what I'd bet on. If you had to bet on the next time you speak And I don't with, bet. For the record, I don't bet. Very well said. Uh, if you did, <laughs> which you don't, if you had to bet on your next visit with us coming up on Monday of the new year, next week, <laughs> would you bet that uh, Carlos Correa has been introduced to a team, whichever team that might be? Do you think he'll have a team by next Monday? That's a fun question. I, t- I tell you what, Steve Cohen can throw money. He can burn money in his backyard mega mansion and in a fire pit. I would not. I don't care how rich you are. I would not be giving Carlos Correa $300, million, $350 million right now. I just would not do it. And didn't the Astros prove last year that you can pay someone $700,000 and win a World Series? I, I, that's fool's gold and fool's money right near right now. I don't think so. I, I Maybe it ends up happening because they get backed into it, and it's Scott Boris, and you don't want to lose future free agents, but I would not be paying Carlos Correa that much money right now. Always interesting stuff and entertaining, and appreciate you coming on here with us. <laughs> a holiday weekend. Hope you enjoyed uh, the weekend and, and the, the future days to come as we get towards New Year's. Hey, happy, merry, you know, merry holidays. I'll, I'll combine them. Happy holidays to everybody. Listen on 790, reading the Chronicle, listen to the Wex and Clinton on the A-Team. It's been a fun year, and uh, hopefully 2023 is better for everybody, specifically the Texans. They're the one that needs it the most. That would be a nice holiday wish for everybody. Appreciate it, Brian. Take care, Wex. You got it. The uh, In Case You Missed It portion of the program comes next. I'll always remember my friend Adam and my other friend Adam and maybe another Adam if they get another guy on the show. That's why they call this Splitting the Adam. Adam Clanton, Adam Wexler, and I don't give a sh- about either. The eighteen. Back here on the A-Team on Sports Talk 790, Joe George and Adam Wexler here with you all week while Adam Clinton is on vacation. You guys can always find us on Twitter at Joe George Radio at Adam J. Wexler and we'll get kif- kicked off with in case you missed it. So we have these rumors about Sean Payton. We all knew that he was going to be around in the conversation this offseason. We were talking earlier about the Broncos and how he gives the betting favorite on the offshore sites. 
to be the next head coach of the Broncos. But the report we got this weekend that I thought was really interesting was that he is assembling his star-studded cast of coaches, and the first name linked to him was Vic Fangio, the former Texans defensive coordinator, former Broncos head coach. Uh, Just a really interesting note, I think, that Sean Payton is preparing his return to coaching and is obviously going to have pretty much any jobs he wants, even to the point where like, I think coaches are going to get fired if they know they're getting Sean Payton. Uh, a bunch of quarterback news in the NFL as well. Mike White will return as the quarterback for the Jets this weekend. Uh, Zach Wilson is be- going to be inactive. Joe Flacco will be the backup quarterback. Tua? is in concussion protocol, and Justin Fields reportedly will not be shut down uh, for the final two games of this season. Remember, we talked about that earlier. That's significant. Big time. To the Texans. Big time. Uh, one of my who, other favorite. Who, who would play? Well, Simeon's out. Right. So it's uh, nearly threw an interception on his one pass on Sunday. Oh, no. No, did throw an interception on his one pass. Nathan Peterman. I think that would bode well for the Bears. Uh, losing? Yeah. If they went from Fields, who has obviously engineered a three-win season, yeah, but still moving down the ladder to Nate Peterman. Or, or Tim Boyle, I guess. He's, he's the emergency quarterback, I think. I don't even know who that is. Uh, one of my favorite reports from the weekend. We've been waiting for this one. It feels and has felt inevitable this entire season. Ian Rappaport reporting. Bill O'Brien could be in line to be the Patriots' offensive coordinator next season. So I think Bill will not be the Bama OC pretty much regardless. I think he's had two years. So late in the game, isn't it? I mean, I see what you're saying. I mean, Tom Herman did just hire Charlie Fry to be the offensive coordinator at FAU. Charlie Fry. I wish I could tell you I knew him from his coaching career. Whereas I actually know him from being, I think, on the back of the Browns jersey with the list of the 25 or 30 different starting quarterbacks they've had in the past however many losing seasons. Mm-hmm. It is late in the game, but there's no OC in College Station. True. There's no DC in Waco. I don't think it's out of the question. I guess it's you, not late in the game. Though. I mean, it's coaches have been hired and fired all over the place, and they've put their staffs together. I mean... I'm not. I'm basically saying I. I do think Nick is going to have a conversation with him and say. And it's not, I'm not trying to tell you he's done a poor job there. I think it's. It just feels like that position is not his long term position. And I think no, with, with Nick no. feeling the same way that maybe it is time. But Actually, he's. An, think- he would be a. In my opinion, he'd be with Mac Jones, who's again. I don't think he's great. No, but it's a big upgrade, and that's well. He's a humongous upgrade from the two guys, now one guy, I guess, Patricia, that's there. And I probably have been unfair to Mac Jones. We said, I think we both agree, that Davis Mills was in an offense that he had more success in last year, learned a new offense, and has less success in it this year. And it's not brand new. Pep was there last year, but it wasn't his offense. Mac Jones is learning a brand new offense from two terrible offensive coaches. And it shows. It's not even a, a, a hard to see. It's not even the plays. You see how little they agree with one another. You see how much frustration that Mac Jones has in his coaches, not his teammates, and not in what's happening, but in them. 
So I think I should probably give him a little bit of a pass, but I think he's very average in just about every way. I mean, I'm just not a huge fan, but Bill O'Brien wants to get rehired by Bill Belichick. He needs an OC. I can see it. He definitely does. And I actually think I saw Gordy tweet this earlier. This is when it, when the report came out. This is leading to Bill O'Brien being the offensive coordinator of the Patriots and Cliff Kingsbury replacing Bill O'Brien at Alabama. Cliff Kingsbury was on the top of our list. And again, trying to be fair to Cliff, he comes in. And what were the Cardinals? They, they were, were they had the first pick in the draft. Okay, and then what were the Cardinals in each successive year of his head coaching career? They've been mediocre. You can say that because they literally went to mediocre in year two. They won eight, they lost eight, and then last year they won eleven times, and they went to the playoffs. But they collapsed both seasons. They did not play their best football at the end of the season. Yeah. They also aren't playing their best football at the end of this season, but for other reasons. But he's kind of hitched to Kyler. And if they think that's dysfunctional, which I think they do. I think it is. It's time to move on. Yeah. And if he's looking for a new job, he obviously was highly sought after by a previous USC staff. Yeah. And somehow this is from being, you say, average at Arizona. How about significantly below average oh, yeah. at Texas Tech? I couldn't believe he went from fired at Tech, hired as UC's off- USC's offensive coordinator Left before he ever coached a game to become the Arizona Cardinals head coach. In six nine-game conference seasons in the Big 12, how many times do you think he went five and four or better? Two. Try again. One. One more time? Zero. Correct. I knew I was going in the right direction. And parlayed that into being the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. It's wild. Uh, not a lot of big MLB free agents left out there, but one of the bigger names uh, signed over the weekend, Craig Kimbrell, uh, joins the Philadelphia Phillies. And Tyrese Maxey will return um, Friday for the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, and James Harden might come back to Houston. Yeah, he kind of set this up in a specific way, ending with a story about the 76ers so we could begin with a story about the 76ers and their uh, divorce from James Harden, which some think might be imminent following this season, which would leave him as a free agent, which could open a path for him to return to the place he still calls home. Emblazoned across Joe George's chests as I speak. That's H-Town, my brother. James Harden wants a reunite, a, to be reunited with the Rockets. I have thoughts. Next. So last week we talked about a topic that uh, brought out my wet blanket, drenched in a trough, just coated with water, squeegee it out all you want, it's still got more water left for you. The idea that a James Harden-Houston Rockets reunion was still in the mind of at least somebody, whether it's James or Houston or a combo, Yeah, I wasn't really having it. I wasn't really in. I wasn't down. Fair. So as they get set for their five-game slate on Christmas Day, Adrian Wojnarowski, who works for ESPN ABC, as they try to make people flip over from the football for their all-day and night coverage with five games, he reports that James Harden, if he doesn't work out a deal with the 76ers' current team, long-term for the future, 
he could hit free agency and would be interested in rejoining the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I think a couple things. First thing is I think he knows that there's not many places that want him. And I think Daryl Morey is one of those places. His current team. And if Daryl Morey doesn't want him back, I think James Harden knows his market is not going to be what he thinks it is. Which surprises me because I kind of feel like he's just going to be a Laker personally and he's going to replace Russell Westbrook again. And it's going to be LeBron and AD and James Harden one last hurrah in Lakerland. And that's not going to work either. But I have a gut feeling that there are people within the Rockets organization that still want James Harden here. All right, we'll keep it simple. We'll talk about only those two scenarios. And we'll take the first one first. Lakers. Yeah. Free agency. They can find the money and they can spend it on James. Whatever the deal is, if... LeBron James is there, and the issue with him is, is he going to be there for the duration of James's contract because of whatever he might want to do with Bronny when and if he joins an NBA team? Sure. And AD's persistent health situation. Yeah. Now, I actually think Darvin Ham deserves credit for telling them the best thing we can do is put Westbrook on the bench, mm-hmm. and he needs to play a little bit more like we're telling him to versus his ridiculous style of taking up shots that he can't make, which he's actually done. He's had a reasonably productive season, especially compared to what he has been. And in my opinion, if they took Westbrook off the team and put James Harden on the team and didn't do anything else, they're not one of the better teams in the West, but they're they're better than playing. They're top six. They're seven or eight, maybe. I actually think that's the that's the type of ideal situation for James basketball wise. I don't know what they can he can get paid anywhere. I tend to agree with your assessment. Whatever he thinks he can get, it's probably less. But Harden still does certain things. He can't be the best player. I think Philadelphia is pointing that out now, whether they like it or not. He can't be the second best player either. Mm-hmm. Teams with three stars are really where it's at anyway, to a certain extent. You know, the Bucks with their three down to Holiday, Middleton and Anadokounmpo. I mean, the Celtics maybe don't have a defined third star because whomever their third best player is on any given night is pretty good. If it's Williams one night, if it's the other Williams one night, or if it's Smart one night, or if it's Horford one night, their top two are also the best duo in the NBA. So something where James Harden should be going to a team with veterans who are still good, with a best player who will be even better because James is his teammate, and the same for number two. And he can still do that. If he played for the Lakers, he'd probably lead the league in assists. He's probably going to lead the league in assists this year. He's really changed. I, honestly, I think when you watch James, like he has changed his role. Like He's the primary distributor for that offense. He's averaging 21.8 points per game, which has got to be a career low. Since, since, since he was coming off the bench. Since he's been a starter, it is. And 11.1 assists, which has got to be... Maybe not a high because he's had some big numbers, but I mean, look, he's... He's had more than this per game in assists only one time in his career. The 76ers have won eight straight games, so like there's no guarantee that he's not going to do... He's not going to stay, and like this story to me definitely comes off as a threat (laughs) in a way. He didn't take kindly to it being brought to his attention after the game. Of course not, because just like he didn't when he was here, and like that to me is where... look. 
I, I'm very pro what Tillman has done, what Rafael Stone has done. I know Silas has been kind of bumpy in a lot of ways. I like the direction of the rebuild, and I think bringing back James Harden is a disastrous decision for this franchise. I'll say it this way, and it believe me, it's nothing about James the person, bad teammate, non-winner, whatever the negative vibes are out there for him, whatever your cho- chosen anti-Harden stance is, if you have one. This is strictly basketball. If he's on this team, do you think he's playing that role I described he would be playing as a third or fourth star to one, two, and three? If he comes here, he's replacing KPJ. KPJ is probably not on the team. I'm not sure what you can get because you'd obviously have to move him since he recently signed his deal. There's other players you could move. You're, you're going to be making these concessions with your talent to build a team that has to win immediately. Immediately. The first year James Harden is here. Next year, you have to win. You have to be in the playoffs. You have to win a series. Because why would you expect to be better than that with James at any season in the future? If you don't think his ability to help a team win is deteriorating, then you're not watching James Harden play basketball. It's not just because he's not the you know the highest player in the league in usage and he's basically c- com- demanding the ball, commanding the attention, dominating the action, and doing everything he did for the D'Antoni Rockets. We all know he's not that player anymore. He's not trying to be. No one's asking him to be. But he also can't be. How much is he going to help this team? How much is he going to help these players who have how many wins? Who are in what place in the Western Conference? It's last place. It's nine wins. I just he, how how far can they go in the last three years of his career? These are the worst years he's ever going to have, in my opinion. Next year, the year after, worse, less helpful than his first three years in Oklahoma City when they were an ascending team. He only played those three years in Oklahoma City. And the last of those three years, where did they go? The finals. Yeah. Even though he wasn't a starter, he was playing starters minutes, better than 31 minutes a game. He was the third best player on a team with incredible young talent. He was great. He was very helpful. He got better after that, way better after that. Shows you how awesome he was with Houston the first time. Again, this is not ill will. This is isn't he ruined the team? He quit on them. It has nothing to do with that. And I don't even know that, you know, that's really an accurate way to describe it. It's pure basketball. You want an aging superstar whose physical capabilities are deteriorating at this stage of his career. That's what you want. You want to spend money on that right now. I mean, I'll, I'll with this it. team. Uh, to me, it's really strictly. I'm not letting him ruin the future of my basketball team. I don't, I'm not saying I know, but like, does I don't, he ruin it, or I he just know. isn't? That's not the smart play. I don't know if these guys. I don't know their habits. Jalen Green literally can't walk into a club. He's twenty. We twenty-one in February. Can he go in the side door? He can definitely go in the side door, but there's not Instagram photos everywhere. Except when he's what there if, with if, Harden last year. I'm not putting the history of James Harden with a bunch of nineteen and twenty-year-old kids. And teaching them his habits. He Don't wants to you go think do that's a little much? And go to Vegas well, and not work out with his team. To me, that's like the Astros cheat and nobody else does. James no, Harden goes to clubs and nobody Harden else does. James shows up fat. <laughs> I just, I don't. I don't see it. Like, I don't see how there's any benefit of putting a young team. I think they need veteran leadership. I think they might need a new coach. 
like I don't see James Harden as the solution. You want to go get a player wax that's going to be deteriorating but change the culture of your basketball team? Go trade for Jimmy Butler when the Heat want to blow it up this year. Roll out Wimbenyana and KPJ and Jalen Green and Jimmy Butler, and you've got something there. You've got a team with a guy who's going to demand from his teammates that's not going to be worried about handing out honey buns and going to the strip club. Like, I just and and not wanting to practice. And first of all, even if you if if you're pro not Silas, wanting to practice, if you're pro Silas, not wanting to practice. What do you mean? If you're pro, he doesn't come on. He didn't practice. They didn't. They barely practiced with Mike D'Antoni. Oh, but because James told him not to. Hundred <laughs> percent. Come on, you know it. And like, and Silas is definitely gone if Harden's back. But that's the guy he came to coach. Remember? I know, but like, there's no way that like you can. And the team next year's team with whoever they draft. Let's not give them the best player on okay, planet so, Earth. But well, if James Harden's on on this Rockets team, they would be better. How does it, that I would mean, be? Fi- we we understand that they would be a better team if he was a running point for oh, this team. 100%, we get it. hundred percent. W- w- how much better? And to what level? And how much better are you getting the next year? That's spending money on a veteran. Some veteran, pretty good money. Yeah, yeah. I do think the team, if the right player is available, they should do that. Well, they do they, need no somebody. What, whether they get Scoot, uh, what's his name, Scoot or Scoot Henderson. Scoot, Hender- Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson. They can't have a backcourt of Scoot and Scoot. If they get Scoot Henderson and they get Wem- Orb Wembenyana, whichever one they get, if they get a top two pick, both those guys are supposed to be good enough to lead, help lead your team into the future. With Jabari, especially the way he's been playing lately, Jalen Green, like I'm all about these guys. I think they're on the right path. I know it's bumpy, but I think all you have to do is look at Memphis. And I know if the first time you ever watched them play since the playoffs <laughs> was on Christmas yesterday, I hope not. You might not dis- you might disagree with me. But Memphis went through the pain. They built through the draft year after year after year, and like they and then Jaw turned the corner and so did the whole team. Same thing with Jalen and Jabari and these guys. Like I think the Rockets are on the right path, and I don't think trying to kickstart that by adding someone like James, who like I just I don't believe he is the type of player I want to surround nineteen, twenty, and twenty one year olds with. Is the veteran there, Valanchunas, then Adams that makes it all work? I don't know if it is because I think it's really just Jaw. And that's where, like, for this team to take the next step, the Rockets, it's really it comes down to Jalen. Jalen has to be the one. I mean, maybe it's Wembenyana if you get him. Like, but to me, Jalen has to turn the corner. He has to be more efficient. He has to just keep being him because I think he's a superstar in the making. Like, he's awesome. Believe in the idea of adding veteran talent to this team. They can't be all 100% young. 100%. Do not believe in that veteran talent being in the body of James Harden. That's that's just what I think about it. Would it. Just, I would be disappointed. Final segment of the Monday edition of the program is next. Many more holiday editions of the show coming all week this week. We got you all the way through the week. Our Rockets basketball several times this week. Three games and four nights in three cities for Houston over the next handful of days. Bowl games continue. We are on the air with you uh, Friday as the Cougars locked up their bowl win. Now it is uh, Texas Bowl week Wednesday night with Ole Miss and Texas Tech. The Alamo Bowl with uh, Arch Manning's team. Uh, getting set to play there without a handful of players because of uh, the impending draft and senior status. 
Uh, Bulls, Celtics, and then Mavericks. We've got that Longhorn game for you on Thursday. That's over on uh, KPRC. The top five U of H Cougars as well. Uh, a couple nights this week. Lots of good stuff coming your way. Hopefully it was lots of good stuff this past weekend. And for the Texans, yeah, I do think every game is, is important for some reasons. Winning and losing, it is important for, for obviously draft perspective and positioning. I don't think they want somebody else to make the decision for them, which would happen if the Bears ended up number one. And potentially that means they're looking to move the pick somewhere else. Because I think they would. If they know, like, let's put it this way. We're trying to debate whether the Texans could fall in love with Bryce Young, who pretty much is everything you want in a prototype NFL quarterback from what you've seen in his play, but he doesn't come in a prototype NFL body. There's 32 NFL teams. There's 15 teams that need a quarterback. There's eight teams that could put a package together to move up. Is one of them going to trade up to number one to bump past Houston to draft Bryce Young, which takes the decision out of Houston's hands? I I think that I think there's a really good chance that if Chicago has the number one pick, that um, the Texans a quarterback will be taken number one overall and they'll trade out of it. But I don't know for sure if it's going to be Bryce. That's the other thing. I, I apologize I, I, for always saying Bryce. I mean, it's I'm, not necessarily. Well, him. I think, I think it's Bryce or Levis. I mean, I, I think I, I still think there's a chance that starting Saturday, CJ Stroud can change the conversation. To me, if he gets by running for forty yards, by threading the needle on a couple of long throws, I by I because I, you've opinion, seen so much of him already. I know we, I know we have, but like I really think that like the Michigan games are a problem. So he needs to win a big game. I mean, he's playing against with pro his style, arm pro style defenses that like I I think are exposing him. So to me, like if, if C.J. Stroud wins a national championship and he beats Georgia and then Michigan. I think he can change the conversation. I know not everyone's going to look into it, but like you, people buy into it. We see it year after year. Every time a team wins a title, their teams have the most players drafted, and they get overdrafted a lot of times. But when LSU won the title, there was like twenty guys taken. What if he loses to Michigan a third time? And he probably status quo. Nothing changes. I mean, I think he's a third quarterback off the board. Thinking back to last year's game, second, do you think he played poorly, or they just lost? I don't think he's playing poorly. The game in twenty one against Michigan. Do you think he had a bad game because the, you know it was a forty nine thirty or it was a um, an offensive game? I guess you could yeah, call yeah. it forty two twenty seven. He didn't have an interception. He did throw two touchdowns. They were it was it got to be a two score game only in the fourth quarter, and they ended up losing by two scores forty two twenty seven. No, that, I think he played a bad game, and I would say he Same probably thing with this year. I don't think he played badly, but he did make more mistakes. Yeah, and he's played with since Alabama sent so many guys to the league. Yeah. His receivers of the last two years have been the best in college football. Yeah, I mean last year Jackson Smith and Jigba, who will still be one of the top wide receivers drafted, even though he didn't play this season, but replaced him with Marvin Harrison Jr., who might be top five pick, a number one pick. Pretty unlikely at a wide receiver I, position, I, but it's happened. Well, we saw a corner go three and four. That's the good point because that had never happened before. And like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like if you could get a redo, those guys going first overall. Ooh, first overall. Only with Chase. 
not because Jefferson was later in the draft. Well, you'd you'd have to think that the players that did go one weren't desired. I guess I can't remember who. Well, yeah, I mean, no, I'd say Marvin Harrison Jr. will be the third pick next year. Huh. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr. All right. Unless a team like the Texans has a quarterback. So as we sit here. He's so good. I I love Marvin Harrison Jr. He's, He's awesome. But you automatically believe he can do what Justin Jefferson does. It kind of feels like it. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, but. Justin Jefferson is not the number one pick in his draft. No, because he went, like, what, 18th? He went 22nd, one pick after a teammate, Jalen Rager. Yep. But no, the Bengals weren't going to, even a redraft, literally yeah. a redraft? Yeah. No, you're yeah. going to take Burrow first. You're going to take Herbert second. Yeah, I guess you are. You're going to take Hertz third, fourth, fifth? Yeah. And then maybe you're considering somebody else. Jefferson over Tua for sure. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Or Jeff Okuda. He went third. He's played better. He has played better. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think, it's, I just don't think that, I don't think if the Texans want Bryce Young and they get the second pick, I think there's a reasonable chance he will not be there. I did have a good laugh when I saw a 2023 mock draft and it had nothing to do with the players. The Texans had the eighth pick in the 2023 mock draft. I think it's reasonable. How do they get better than seven teams? What did they do in the offseason? How did they win six games? Were they that close this year? Am I seeing something well, different? Well, or are they going to win the division well, games? Well, there's one team that, until this last week, had a top five pick that just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's true. The Arizona Cardinals just went to the playoffs. Come on, Wags. You're not picking the Vikings at a top five pick next year? The Vikings are not going to have too much talent. 11 one-score games this year. They've won them all. You don't think that's going to flip? I am oh, trying oh, to oh, lay 11. people down softly on that one. It is absolutely going to happen. You're going to everyone's going to make all these excuses about it. they. I know they're making plays at the end of the games. They did it again this weekend. They they had to make a they threw a screen to Justin Jefferson on third and eleven. He got the first down. They kicked the game winner. Lex, I love mock drafts. All right, just real quick. This is one I found from the Draft Network. Number one, Houston Texans, C.J. Stroud. That's for this upcoming draft. Uh, number two, Will Anderson to the Cincinnati Bengals. How'd they get to two? The Bears trade the number two overall pick for T. Higgins. Uh-huh. A 2023 second. Okay, stop talking. And a 2024 stop. fourth. So, what? do you hear what you're saying? I, I know, I'm just saying. So, Cincinnati got the number two pick in the draft without giving up any first-round picks. Well, they swapped. Swapped first. Yes, they didn't give up any. They got one. I know. Number Here's mine. Let me have yours. The Bears not get giving T. up any. I know. And then Bryce Young, Will Levis, and Christian Gonzalez. I don't know who that is. Can we? Can you get all the way down to who else the Texans took? Oh wait, uh, Quentin Johnson. I've seen that a lot of places. A lot of places. The, I've, uh, I'm still not convinced they wide out as their second first round pick. I'm not either. I think but. it's an impact defensive player, wherever that might be. That'll do it for us today. Trey, as always, on the board. Joe inside here with me. We'll run the same story at you tomorrow. Starting at 3 o'clock, I'll be with you for Rockets basketball. Starting at 6.30, they've got the Bulls. We'll talk to you then. Launchpad, next.